The second act is about to begin. Mm. Oh, come uh -oh, on, y'all. Uh -oh. uh oh, y'all heard the Ursher? Uh oh. If I know Shakespeare, I thought I was about to kill everybody up in this bitch. <laughs> How they gonna kill Othello? Man, that trifling ass Iago, I knew he was up to something. They should've killed him in the first act. How they gonna kill Othello? And then how Othello gonna do himself in with a dagger? How doth that happen? Let me tell you something. If a brother killed himself every time he broke up with a white bitch, this world would be bereft of brothers. You be talking to a skull right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where's Shakespeare's at? Shakespeare. Oh, 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 he's right there or not. Make way. Prithee, make way. Prithee, make way. Be gone, Sarah. You killed Othello. A black man got it going on and you shuffle off his mortal coil? I say unto thee, that's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Oh, tis that not the troubadour, Kanye of the West. What? Where's, oh, no, wait. Mm. Truth be told, my lords, tis not I who penned this dreadful play. Twas Christopher Marlowe. Nay, 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 yes, nay, yes, nay, nay, nay. Thou already tried to use that line of argument when the Jews wanted to kick your ass after the Merchant of Venice. We doth not purchase it, Slick Willie. We doth not purchase it. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Secret Ball Stories, where I invite guests to count down a personal top five list in high-fidelity fashion. And speaking of impeccable music taste, we have... Uh, a right gemstone of a human being, uh, a, a learned man, a teacher, a philosopher, a podcaster, a writer, you name it. He does it. He has many hats and he wears them all at once. It is Mr. Tony Farina. Hello, sir. How are you? Spider Dan. I've been so, I am very well. By the way, this is, I've been very excited about this. My wife, I'm sure, is going to be glad that it's over so she can quit hearing me. <laughs> Talk about all of these movies. Although she is, you know, she's she's in. She has some thoughts on this too. You know, it's just, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good. You know, it's like this isn't something I did totally in a vacuum. But she, uh, it's one of those ones where um, I liken this this show because we've been talking about it for a long time. For her, I liken this to Birdman. Let's get in our wayback machine and go back to the year that both Birdman and Boyhood came out. Boyhood, as a Linklater fan, I had known about Boyhood the whole time it was filming. So. I had been waiting and waiting and how, what a cool idea. And I can't wait for this movie with so brilliant. And I mean, she, just nonstop. And then another time a link later movie would come out, of course I would see it. And then I'd be like, Oh my God, he's, she's like, Ugh. and then Birdman, you know, that was Michael Keaton. He never really went away, but like, that was when he was like, everybody remember how fucking amazing I am. So for again, about 18 months, Birdman, cause there was a lot of post-production on Birdman as you, as you may or may not recall, cause maybe you didn't follow it as closely as I did. So when both of those movies finally came out, she was at the end of both of them. She was like, they were both very good. I'm just glad they're over. I'm glad they're out. So you can stop talking about them. So I liken this to that for her. She's like, wow. although it, 
we've only been talking about this for maybe six months where both of those things were literally years. But when I get excited about something, it's on my mind and it comes mm-hmm. out. Whatever I'm doing, I'm relating it to that. And I'm like, ooh, I should think of that. And ooh, is that like I tried to convince you that Heather's was Macbeth and I was like, it doesn't work. But I was trying hard <laughs> from constantly doing so. I'm so excited. We've been, I mean, it's been months we've been planning this. So we're planning, talking, researching, be- watching. Yeah. So uh, we've not even mentioned what we're doing. Oh, but, uh, sorry. But- but we will we'll get into it. So we are looking at top five loose Shakespeare film adaptations or movie adaptations of the Bard's work. So such a brave new world with such films in it. Uh, we are going to pick out some of our favourites. And again, these are loose, so they may not be as... Um, you know, a, you know, a fitting adaptation, uh, you know, it's not, it, we're not, it's not sacrosanct, so to speak. It's not uh, precious. We usually, it's just the framing device or characters or a few ideas in some way. So we're going to talk about all of those. And, uh, and yeah, some of them are direct adaptations and the, you know, the directors or writers have said it is a direct adaptation. And so, I mean, every love story is Romeo and Juliet anyway. So, you know, Shakespeare is so involved in storytelling anyway. Any storytelling since Shakespeare owes some sort of debt to him. Um, before we start, though, Tony, um, obviously I'm I'm a former actor. Actor, uh, actor. I've done. I've tread the boards. I've done The Tempest. I've done Macbeth. I've did Midsummer Night's Dream. So I'm I'm fairly au fait with with Shakespeare in, in a performance. Uh, you know, in a performance kind of viewscape of that. Um, but what it what is it about Shakespeare as a teacher that you you gravitate towards? Sure, that's that's a good question. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I fell in love with it as a student, as you do, or you fall out of love with him as a student, as you do. I feel like in America, anyway, he's big in high school, and I know that will come up because some of our picks. I think we each have two high school picks. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, and there's more options than that too. And of course, some of those will come up with our honorable mentions, I'm sure. So you, so you read them because you do. And I was just always a reader. What was Shakespearean stuff? I actually didn't really start getting into it until I started reading them in high school. And I just fell in love with it right away. So what I liked is this, I'm always looking for the other thing, the next layer, the part of the onion. And so for me as a student studying Shakespeare, there's always going to be like, let's learn the poetry and let's learn the rhyme and meter and whatever. But to me, there's always that um, modern day application. Like I don't, we never really looked at Shakespeare through the lens of his own life because he's a bit of a mystery, which is where all of the anonymous, that movie was fine too, by the way, I liked anonymous for what it was, but um it's bullshit, of course. He wrote yeah. the plays, but yeah. I get I get what people I get it. I mean, I, I'm interested in that. I always watch those. I'm a sucker yeah. for them, but I don't believe it. I, I love I love conspiracy theories too. Like I'm a, I'm a sucker for them, but I'm just like, do we do we like it's that long ago? Do we really need to dig this shit up and just I know, be like, it's so- oh, maybe he didn't write it? Ooh. Yeah, my favorite is that because one of my all time, my probably my favorite work of fiction. Is uh, Don Quixote. So my favorite thing is you can. There's a there's a thing out there where people are arguing that Cervantes and Shakespeare were the same person. I'm like, okay, wait. So people are saying there's no way one person could have written all these plays, but you're going to say one person wrote the first novel of all time, the, and one of you one of the funniest works of fiction of all time, and wrote all these plays. Like that makes more sense mm-hmm. to you than just say there could be two brilliant writers, one in Spain and one in England, and they wrote some amazing stuff. Oh, okay, you. 
you're out of your mind. But so, so for me though, it's always the uh, reader response stuff. And that I always think is the best way to go into any, any kind of literature. You should always go through the reader response lens before you start doing the other things. So for me, as a student, looking at Romeo and Juliet, looking at Caesar, the Henrys, which will come up today, that not, not six, four or five, the fours in part five, those are really technically one story, loved those. And they just really clicked. And like from a reader response perspective, I always found a character in there that I liked or I could I could I could identify with because he what Shakespeare does best besides obviously the language itself is beautiful and we'll talk about that. But what he does best is characterizations because he's doing plays. And so he he gives every reader of his stuff, every viewer of his work, somebody to relate to. And because everybody forgets like his whole we think of him as highfalutin. He was just a working dude. No. Absolutely. Well, his audience were uh, mostly like uh, there was prostitutes, there's food sellers, there's all this other stuff going on. Like he had to fight to get his work heard and seen, and it was just on. People, it's like it's like today where everyone goes to watch a play or watch a film, they're all on their iPhones and stuff. Right. It's, it's the same situation. Like he is fighting to be heard. And and it is very bawdy. There's a lot of like carry yeah. on and stuff in there. There's a lot of filthy jokes, um, and like really dirty stuff. Um, and it's very, you know, it's very sexual. It's very, you know, it's like like Falstaff you've talked about before as well. Like, like look at those kind of characters, and it's all like, you know, very like titillation as well. Because because he's trying to get a reaction, he's trying to get people's attention. And if he has to tell a dirty joke, he'll fucking tell a dirty joke. You know, he, <laughs> he will, will do that. He absolutely, will. Like, yeah. He's not some like you know this aristocracy or anything he is he is he was a jobbing writer you know he he traveled to work you know had a wife and kids he had to support you know and all this other stuff like you said he's still a bit of a mystery to the for the most part but he's a he's a guy and and again his plays were written not to be read that's what's interesting about it they're written purely for those actors to understand get memorize and work you know, and that's where kind of script form comes from as well, is the way he broke it down and split it all up. So, you know, entertainment, you know, we you know, people know this, but entertainment owes a lot to to Shakespeare, modern entertainment, modern stories, you know. You don't get the Godfather, you don't oh. get your you don't get your classic film, you don't get your Citizen Canes without the work that Shakespeare put in and and even before Citizen him. Kane, right, Richard. I mean, yeah. I almost thought about Citizen Kane as Richard III, right? I really? mean, not as big of a dick, but it's it's, no. it's very much, you know, Schmeagle, my precious hmm. kind of stuff that Richard, you know, Richard III. Well, uh, I mean, again, again, um, Orson Welles was a big Shakespeare fan as well. He did. Of course, he did. He wrote that one movie that it was like he took four or five different plays and he puked them all into one story right chimes of midnight i did consider looking at that yeah 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 Um, me too i didn't watch it though i think he played othello and some other dodgy stuff as well i've actually seen that that's okay (laughs) yeah i can imagine anyway anyway so anyway Uh, as as an instructor i do that so i want them I, I'm not trying to, because I don't teach Shakespeare. I don't no. teach that class, although I would love to. Hmm. So whenever I use Shakespeare, I, a lot of times I'll end up using his sonnets more than anything in class. Hmm. That's always good because they're quick. They're easy. They're not easy, but they're quick. So we can spend a whole time. We can spend hours on 14 lines. So I do I do more of that. But again, it's all reader response. And so it's a way to connect them to it. And you know, it's really easy to just see the modern day 
uh, adaptation. So, uh, you know, I have taught English literature before. So, of course, we would do something. So, I've taught Macbeth, my favorite play. I've taught, I've taught uh, Much Ado. I've taught um, Henry, Henry V, just the fifth, because you can only have so much time. I went back and forth on that. But so, I've, I, I, every time it's like, let's start with the thing. And what's a really fun way to teach Shakespeare is, is once you get through the your reader response, okay, so I've, what does it mean to you? Now let's set it in the modern setting, which is part of what we're going to do with this. But it's like, mm. what is the connection to the thing? Who is the Prince Hal of today? Who is the whomever? Like, I think, like, in mod, if I were to use that, mo, the Prince Hal thing and Henry V, it's v- Zelensky, right? He is Prince Hal become Henry V. He was literally a comedian. When he became the the president of Ukraine, people were like, this guy has a sitcom. Essentially, he was called the John Stewart of Ukraine. That's who he was. And people, th- and now all of a sudden they're like, so you you are an actor. You pre- He played the president on TV and he becomes the president. It's like right out of a Christopher Buckley novel, you know? <laughs> but then now he's Prince, now he's Henry V, right? You thought he was a joke, but then once he ascends, he's proving everybody, you know, he's always wearing his medium shirt and he's out there kicking everybody's ass and he's, he won't leave the front lines and he's very Prince Hal. So that is a way, or he's very Henry V. So I would ask my students to do that. Like who's the modern day equivalent? Who are our Romeo and Juliet's? Who and are? Then, you, then you've got your, uh, your Trump, of the, certainly at the moment with everything he's going, he's going yeah. on with him. He's very much <laughs> a Macbeth figure, I'd say. 100% you know? he is. Absolutely. Yes. yes. There we yeah, go. So that's, that's how I teach it. I think, then people will get like, oh, there's, and then of course the stuff we're going to do today, these loose adaptations as opposed mm-hmm. to the straight adaptations. I love we we deliberately made the rule that that it can't be we couldn't do Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. No, we couldn't do Julie Trainer stuff. Those are all great, but we don't want to do those because that's the name. It's the thing. Yeah. It it's it's playing with it. It's playing fast and you know, like with the language or with the scenes or Ian McKellen's Richard the Third set yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Oh, that's maybe the best Richard the Third mm. I've ever seen. And but it's it's still Richard the Third. They called it that. You know what I mean? It's not like they didn't give it another name. So we we deliberately because I think this is another way to get them there. So one of my picks I've actually taught in class before. And so we had the conversation. I t- did it the other way. I used the movie in class for something. And then we worked our way backward to Shakespeare when they didn't. They're like, wait, what? So that was fun too. Mm. So that's how I do it. And um I'm just I love it. I think it's we should all be in awe of 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 him. Many people are. And and we talked about it on um the indie comic spotlight when we did the uh uh the Shakespeare um with um uh, with uh, James. James, that's right. Uh, I was blanking on the name then. It's yeah, been a long James time. Aquilone. Yep. That's what, uh, James Aquilone. And uh, and you guys talked about Kolchak as well. I love yep. that. So people go and check those out on the Comics in Motion feed. Go and listen. They are very, very good. All the stuff Tony does is really good. And he digs out, much like myself, he digs out those, uh, those hidden gems. Um, well, so- I think that's what drew me to your show. I mean, well, I, I'll be honest. The thing that the, I found your show because Jack, right? So like... I used, you know, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I was. And so I met Jack on Twitter because he was listening to our stuff. So then Jack was obviously is your number one fan. And so yeah. I was like, I trust this guy. So he was talking about you. So then I went back to the beginning and just started listening. And then um, so it's all and here we are. So like Jack is he's always like Jack always says it's because of me that he does everything. But it's you are also part of the the I am Jack's musing verse because yes. he was inspired by you. He listened to you from the beginning. He's like that kid in Pump Up the Volume who was there on the first night listening to Happy Harry Hard On. Did you ever see Pump Up the Volume? 
um i didn't i did not christian That's, slater christian film? slater okay. yeah 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 it's, I've, I've heard of it though i've heard of it and i've heard i really i really yeah. it. but anyway um so it's just so it's all very cool but but what i loved about your show immediately is just that is the way that you're like you always say a mainstream audience may find yeah. boring which is true hmm. but also like mainstream audience you guys it, it always gets frustrating to me when you're listening to something or you're watching something or you're reading something that's so good. And you're the, I'm not one of those people who's precious. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, this is my band, my favorite band. I don't want yeah. anybody else to know. No, no, I get pissed. I get pissed. Like there's a few singer songwriters who I love that nobody knows. And that every time they come on, like my wife and I'll be listening and they're just on a rotation of music and we'll be always be like, oh, he should be more famous. Or why don't more people know who she is? Because we want the love spread. We want you to know about these good people. So that's what I like about your show is because you're taking the things that we, there's genuinely stuff I'd never have heard of. Like Maniac Cop. Of course, I knew Maniac Cop. Sure. But <laughs> that was fun to listen to. But there's definitely been things of yours. I'm like, I had no idea that was a thing. And then you go find it mm -hmm. and you find joy. And I, we, I don't always love it the way you love it or I don't sure. hate it the way Andy hates it, but I find joy in it. And so I think what you do best is you point out the art. And so what I like that we're doing Shakespeare is because you can't get more mainstream than Shakespeare, but there's also still a hate of him. So my hope with yeah. our show today, Dan, is that we're going to get people to give these movies, our 10 movies, a chance mm -hmm. and maybe work their way backwards and be like, oh, maybe maybe I should give that a try. And again, listen to the audiobook, get a full cast reading of, of a play. That's always fun. I'm with you. These were not meant to be read in static. That's part of the problem too. So, you know, bring life, bring joy. So I'm thrilled. I think that's the hard thing for teachers is to bring that to life in a in a in an interesting fashion and draw people in. I think a lot of the times when I was being taught Shakespeare and and things, again, they would put on a film because that's how you do it. They're like, oh, we'll watch a film. Well, you'll only see certain bits, but we'll watch <laughs> we'll watch Roman Polanski's Macbeth. And I was like Oof. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> all right. Of all the Macbeth, that's the one, huh? Yeah, she was she was like, Yeah, we're gonna watch this one. Okay, sure. Uh again, this was before all the before well, the yeah, before all stuff. the controversial, yeah, yeah, better file stuff. Let's call it what it is. Let's uh, call it what it is. He's never left France again. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember hearing that they gave him, him him an award in America and it wasn't because they wanted to give him an award. It was literally just to catch him as a pedo. And he didn't come, though. No, because he knew right. it was a trap. He knew what it was. Yeah. He's like, why would I suddenly get this? All of anyway. It always is weird. Anyway, that's a different show for different, that is a different Let's move on. That's a okay. different show. That's enough That's enough pedos in this podcast. Um, yeah. I I, uh, I remember you were you were speaking to teaching. You, again, were doing a lesson a while back, and you asked me to, I think it was about, you said, just give me a 100 words on why you love Shakespeare. So we so. were having a conversation in my class about art, and <laughs> people were arguing, and it was, and it it was just a general thing like we watch different things and we do some creative things and so someone on his own or her own i don't remember mm. brought up shakespeare and i was like hey i know a shakespearean actor so because they were like what's the point of this so i was like well let me ask so yeah. i love that you you were all in i really appreciated it, it meant yeah ab absolutely and in fact um because i spent so much time considering i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to rush it but i also didn't want to take too long on it either so uh, i'm just going to read out what i sent you from an acting perspective 
It's like being a historian, archaeologist, or linguistic expert all in one. You unearth new information or interpret the language in new ways and make startling discoveries about these ancient manuscripts. Breathing life into these old words gives me pride, as I'm part of a legacy of people that have passed these stories through the ages. It is a huge responsibility to ensure these stories keep being told, Learning and rehearsing Shakespeare improved many of my vocal, social, creative, and practical skills. The best acting work I've ever done is Shakespeare, and it will always will be. I love that. Thank you for that. It is, it is, and people need to know that. And it's, it meant a lot to me, and the student, you know, appreciated that because it's again, you when you feel like it's an assignment, exactly. you're like, ugh. And that's the way with anything. You yeah, gotta find, make find the fun. Find the gotta fun. Find the fun. Yeah. Absolutely. It's totally true. Well, I think it is time for us to begin, Tony. We've got we've got ten films to get through, so I want you to go first. What okay. is your first loose Shakespeare film adaptation? Well, I have decided which order to go in. Um, I have decided I'm going to go in reverse chronological order of okay. when the film was released. So my most recent film, this says a lot about me, I guess, about how old I am, was 2005. Yikes! So. Uh, this is 2005. It's a film that um, no one has heard of. This is actually something my wife brought home from the library one day on DVD. She's like, look at this. Look at this cast. And I was like, OK. Um, it stars. Uh, it was. It's directed by Arthur Seidelman. It's written by Richard Alfieri based on his own play of the same name. It stars um, a bunch of people people may have heard of, like, oh, I don't know, Elizabeth Banks and Maria Bello and Mary Stuart Masterson and Chris O'Donnell and Eric McCormack, Tony Goldwyn. Yeah, Rip Torn. Just some folks you may have heard of. It's called The Sisters from 2005. It is an adaptation of Chekhov's Three Sisters, which is an adaptation of Lear. So it's kind of like a three degrees of Kevin Bacon type. Correct. It's three degrees of Shakespeare. But <laughs> I mean, you, Chekhov admits Three Sisters is his retelling of Lear. This is his retelling of... So it's like you go from England to Russia to America. This is set on the campus, a small liberal arts college campus. So that I found that appealing. There's three sisters. Like the Chekhov one, there's the brother. Whereas in Lear, there's like some bastards running around and you're like, wait, is are you that kid's son or are you Lear? Like you're never 100% sure who belongs to whom. And wait, are you brother and sister? What's happening? You know, so there's some uh, of that. Uh, are you a bastard or are you a bastard? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's well said. So this is their story. Now, what this movie does differently than, um, than Lear, Lear's, already dead the dad is already dead in this and so this is the, the the downfall of like what's it like for the sister like all the sisters have lived where we know it lear because it's tragedy so everybody dies at the end but so um the youngest sister uh who in this movie is not called cordelia um but is called irene those are the priors she's getting ready to graduate from college and there's a couple of suitors chris o'donnell and er grumpy eric mccormack in this everybody knows him as affable will from will and grace but he plays a grump in this and that's it and so there's this really tense awful stuff and there's these three sisters who have all been living in the shadow of their father and in this instead of being a king he was like the president of this university where they all work and live and and they're they're under the weight of him and how do they live? And um, there's the brother character, and they just call him the brother. And actually, Elizabeth Banks plays his wife, and she steals the whole show like she does. She comes in with this, like, Queen's accent, and she is just, oh, she just mops everybody up and is great. Um, 
But the dialogue snaps Mary Stuart Masterson and Maria Bello are so good. And they command the screen with their presence. And um, it's it's just so good. And I think it's an amazing, this is the one that I used in class and worked my way back. I used it in a um, in a literary criticism class. We watched this film. We and it was about um, you know psychological criticism and like what's going like like what are the things going on with these different characters? What are the psychological illnesses they have? Then we worked our way backwards to check up to Shakespeare through there and then kind of re um, re envisioned what Goneril, Reagan, and Cordelia are through the through the lens of Marcia and Olga and Irene Pryor. So. The performances are amazing. I don't know anyone who's seen it besides the two of us and the people <laughs> I forced to see it. <laughs> well, I I, I have, um, so it's unusual. Uh, usually with these, I don't tend to watch other people's picks, but you were watching all of my picks. So I felt rude if I didn't attempt to watch <laughs> any of yours. Okay. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give it, because most of them I hadn't seen anyway. And most of them were on the list to research anyway. So I thought, fuck it. And, you know, if, I, I didn't know at the time which ones you were picking, but when you did pick, I was like, okay. Because I, I pretty much had settled, I think, quite early on. Um, but this is the one I missed out. So uh, yeah. uh, I know you didn't, you weren't able to watch one of one of my picks for later on. But uh, but it was. I've quite... seen it before. I just yeah. didn't rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, did, I, didn't I didn't get a chance. Yeah. We've yeah. got a bit of a heat wave in the UK, and I was just like. I don't want to do anything today. I'm just sweating. No, it's totally fair. And this is this is a thinker. This would make you sweat. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't I don't I don't want to be I didn't want to sweat any more than I was sweating because I sure. think I might have dehydrated myself. It was that yeah. fucking hot. I'm um, so sorry. That's it's all, it's all right. It's all right. Well, you live yeah. in Florida, so it's probably this isn't no, this is nothing probably to what you're used to. But we have air conditioning here, remember. That is a point. That is a point. Yeah. Uh, that's why my office is actually better to stay in than than my own flat. Uh, oh, because work has air conditioning. Well, work has air conditioning. That's right. Nice. Yeah. But yeah. That sounds really sounds really fascinating. I like the the idea that it's kind of an educational, you know, kind of venue, um, yeah. and that it's kind of because there is that kind of one upmanship in the kind of education world. I'm sure you are fully uh, aware of it for sure. And you know, yeah. and and trying to show off and trying to be the best. So I think that fits into Leah and those characters. So yeah, it does seem like a a good choice for this. And again, amazing cast. You know, I love Elizabeth Banks, Maria Bello. You know, all those guys are, are fantastic. So it does sound like something I will partake in. Maybe this evening. Maybe this evening. It's not super long. And I would say, you know, and the 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 main the girl who plays Irene, because you could argue. Lear is really Cordelia's play. I'm sure there's been a retelling of Lear through Cordelia's perspective. I'm sure that exists. This is the closest thing I've gotten to it. Um, she's really young in this, younger, younger even still than you think when he dies. And there's some, and I don't want to give too much away, but like the scars that all three sisters have put upon them by Lear are different, or put upon them by their father. But that's the way that it was for Goneril and Regan mm -hmm. and, and Cordelia too, the way that their father... Uh, influence them and mm. his outsized influence on those around him. And then the way people are throwing themselves at the prior sisters because mm. to like marry a prior, Ooh, you know, like yeah. that's at, at this small insular university, if you're in with the priors, you're in good, mm. you know, like there are, they have no choice either, but to be geniuses and to be academics. And so the fact that the brother marries this like smart mouth from Queens they're they are all taken. So aback by her by nancy is her name and and um 
I'm just going to read this to you. This will be a line I would love for you to hear. I'm just going to read one line. I know on. I, I, we have the tendency to go along, but here's the line. <laughs> go on. This makes me laugh. So it says, I suppose I fared better. Andrew's the brother's name. This is um, Maria Bello, a character. Could say this. I suppose I fared better than Andrew, who had his balls, who had to hand his balls over to father. Only one pair allowed in the house at a time, you know. After father died, Andrew got them back. But strangely enough, he keeps looking for someone else to give them to. Olga and I passed them back and forth for a while, but we really didn't want them. He finally found a real taker in Nancy, who'd been <laughs> looking for a pair of her own for quite some time. Oh, nice. What a line. It nice is time. like, it's not Shakespearean, but it is totally Shakespearean. It's mm. so good. And Maria Bello, you know, she... It does, have that, it does have a bit of that rhythm as well. You can hear yeah. it when you were reading it then. I was like, yeah, yeah it does so have that iambic pentameter. Yeah, for sure. So you're going to love this movie because there's a line like that in this movie. Mm. And so you laugh and you're also like, wow, mm -hmm. your brother's standing right there. Ouch. Brutal. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about it then. Like, like Leah is very much like a generational trauma type story. Yeah. And like, and like Disney are absolutely going to town on those and, and, and they're coming through. And not only Disney, like, you know, um, every, everywhere, everything all at once, you know, that's again more generational trauma. And it seems to right. be, and again, you could argue maybe something like Encanto has some Leah, you know, some I've Leah not in seen there. That yet. Yeah. Um, you, you know, there's a few others. I won't spoil them for you, but there's, sure. there's, there's elements of that. And there's, um, I think there was a, there was one with the, the lady from, um, there was a horror film with the lady from um, Grey's Anatomy, um, the Asian lady from Grey's Anatomy. I'm blanking Sandra on her name. Oh. Sandra Oh, yes. Yeah, there's something about her and her grandmother comes back. It's like a horror film. And oh, it's kind of. I want to see that. And the daughter is leaving and she's like, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay. Let's stay together. She's going off to college and then like she's haunted by her grandmother or something. Nice. Um, yeah. So there's something like that. So it is, it, again, like there's so many parallels to so many stories, so many films, TV shows, you name it, that all come up. So, yeah, I, I think that's an excellent choice, Tony. And I I am ashamed I've not watched it. But that's I okay. Get, you will you will. I will get it. on it. I will yeah. get on it. And then it sounds like I will enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, right. Anything else you want to say about it before we? No. Let's, no, you're done. I, I'm excited to hear you. I know what you've picked, so I can't wait Ooh. to talk about them. So which one's first? So I'm going to go. So you suggested one to me uh, called uh, Just One of the Guys. Yes. From, from the 1980s. And don't worry, I, I was already aware of it. And uh, and with this film, and I considered both of these films again for another Clone Balls comparison. Mm. However, don't worry, I, I've already picked a winner to this particular Clone Balls. <laughs> as you should, as I should. So it is uh, Amanda Bynes in, uh, and you know, poor Amanda Bynes. You know, we I loved her back in the day with the Amanda Bynes show. So it's Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum and David Cross and Vinnie Jones in She's the Man which is a take on Twelfth Night. And again, I think it was partly inspired by just one of the guys. It is a mid-2000s movie where Amanda Bynes' character, Viola, I think it's Viola, isn't it, in the play? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't uh, change the names. No, there's the, yeah, the, Ju the Duke... The Duke, called Duke, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Called Duke and played by Channing Tatum, who would yeah. also go on to play another Duke in G.I. Joe. Uh, wow, look at that. Go connections he's a real american hero that guy he is even though he hated it and it was contractually obligated <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway uh yeah so it is basically her uh the female soccer team um gets cut uh and uh from their school and she says right well i want to join the boys team then and they go well your boys girls can't play together 
Lots of sexism, standard. So she decides to impersonate a brother who's away at a rock concert, um, you know, playing with his band in Europe, and pretends to be him and goes to the rival school and plays soccer for their team while disguised as her brother. And she bumps into a young lady who falls in love with him, and then she falls in love with one of her soccer partners, and all of the misunderstandings occur in this kind of standard um, kind of Shakespearean story. I'm not a massive fan of the Shakespeare comedies, I'll be honest. I gravitate more towards the tragedies and the, because uh, I think the tragedies are universal. No matter where you are, what culture you're in, who you are, a tragedy is a tragedy. But comedies can be a bit trickier to get because, again, a lot of the language we don't know. We might not understand necessarily if that's particularly a joke. There's, there's stuff that we still can't translate from Shakespeare. However, I think Twelfth Night is probably one of its strongest. I think it works on very many levels um and it's fun and like it shouldn't really work i'll be honest like the film shouldn't work but it is fun i found myself laughing out loud and it's not often i find myself doing that and i'm like it's stupid it's funny it's anarchic it's silly it's fun it's not too dirty it's like i did i liked just one of the guys i think it's a great little film um, but it but it did feel a little bit seedy, a bit a bit too adult f- for me. And I think I think this one's aged a little bit better than that one. And I think that's the only reason. And and I still think it's a, the other one's a good film, just one of the guys. And I think people should check it out if they like this film. But I don't think it's quite as good as She's the Man. Uh, all the performances are great. David Cross is great. Um, he's he's superb. Like there's a bit where uh, he's being the lunch lady, and uh, and he speaks to Viola and says like, "Have a great day." And I love students and all this sort of stuff. And then the guy goes, um, "Can I get?" Her? And he goes, "No." <laughs> That's and I was I was pissing myself at that. And there's a line where it's like, "Oh yeah, she's nodding at you." Oh yeah, some really good nodding. She gives good nod. You know. <laughs> Lines like that, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? Is this even?" And it really shouldn't work. But me and my friends uh, that watched it years ago kind of love it, and kind of have a weird love for it. It's it's proper unusual, but it works. Um, there's a there's a fair bit of nudity towards the end, not actual nudity, but. Right. They're, they're revealing themselves at this high school, and the and the parents are like, "Do, they, do all these soccer games usually yeah. involve this much nudity?" Right. <laughs> I'm not, I think the dad says I'm not comfortable with this much. <laughs> the mom played by Julie Haggerty. Yes. Chef's kiss. She's a gem. Isn't she? She's yeah. such a comedic master. She like, is. I'm, I would love seeing her in this film. Like I don't tell many people this, but <laughs> it's an awful film, but I quite enjoy it in a way. And it's Freddie got fingered and she's great. Oh, yeah, in that as well. That. Yeah. I've yeah. That, sure. I've, I, I kind of enjoy it on a shit, you know, so bad. That's it's Tom kind Green. of good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom Green. Yeah. Um, I use, I quote it a lot. You know, I just, there's something about it's just anarchic humor that I love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a, just a great cast, and and there's so much fun to be had, you know, watching this. And obviously, she's got to change out the outfit, uh, and then she goes like, just one of the guys has a similar scene where she's got to go to the showers of the boys' showers. She's got to find out a way. Um, but yeah, just a lot of fun. And obviously, Amanda Bynes recently has gone through a, a the ringer mentally. Um, uh, but I think this is genuinely one of the best things she ever did. And, you know, hopefully we'll, she'll, you know, recover and maybe 
she'll come back to to acting and comedy because I always thought she was incredible. And again, she was she was not afraid. I, I like when I like when people aren't afraid to look silly or stupid. And I think she was great at that. Like she was never like, oh, I can't look unattractive in anything. She was really good at just being like, oh, oh, oh and doing all the silly, stupid clown stuff, uh, which I loved. And and again, they play up to the kind of the seedier elements and the kind of like misogyny, but then obviously they they kind of roll that back and like Duke's like a really sensitive guy. Uh he doesn't like to talk about women in a possessive or you know misogynistic way. Yeah, he doesn't like to be lewd. Yeah, because exactly. she as Sebastian doesn't know how to be, so she overdoes it. It's like yes. she channels the brother in just one of the guys. There's yes. I think this movie is self-aware in that. And I also think David Cross was like, you know what would be fun is if I played the principal like Principal Flutie in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the yes. one who gets eaten by the jackals. Mm. The whole time he's on screen, he's like, I'm just going to, this is just for the fans out there. This is my nod to Principal Flutie before he gets eaten by the jackal. So I, I, I think they both, and obviously Julie Haggerty is a comedic genius and she can play everything straight. She mm. can say, the, say these absurd things while being hysterical. So I agree with everything. And I am with you, Amanda Bynes. And the thing what we don't, we wouldn't have Keenan Thompson without Amanda Bynes. Yeah. So Keenan and Kel, Goodberger, and J- Drake and Josh spun off of her Amanda show. Like they were all on her show as wow. actors and they they all moved on. She her comedic timing is spot oh, on. There's so good. So few co- comedy is hard. Comedic and that's why Julie Haggerty being in this movie, who I think has excellent comic timing, who holds yeah. airplane together. Mm. by its throat like for whatever airplane can does has not aged well but she's holding on to that fucking movie she's like i am not gonna let you go movie no matter how out of control this gets everybody thinks robert hayes is the straight man in that movie but it's her and she's so great and so i loved seeing her in this being Mm. that so i think it was great a nod to to these other things. So yeah, I I agree. Um Vinny Jones too. Yeah, um Jones. he's not great. He's shown up on our on your on the state uh, yeah. shows, obviously on Jack's show. But I love he gets the great line at the end. Like the the um and again we're not are we, I don't know are we spoiling or not spoiling. But I, I, I mean think I mean if you know Twelfth Night. Right. What I love though is because Twelfth Night is a gender politics play. Um you know, that's gender bendery, but it is yeah. it's it's a gender bender that has politics in it. And that's why I think Twelfth Night works or um he's the man works a little bit better because there isn't a twin brother in just one of the guys. She's got yeah, a little that's brother. Right. That's There's right, not yeah. she's not exchanging like her little brother's helping helping her and he's funny and gross and all the gross comes from him, obviously, in that movie. But but I think because there is a twin brother, so it's more more like Twelfth Night. But I think it it um so I think that's why it works a little bit better. But there's 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 the interesting gender politics between the the two. She's an athlete and he's a musician. So you're flipping mm-hmm. that around too. And that Vinnie Jones is at the end. He rips up the rule book and he says, "We don't discriminate by gender." Two thousand and six. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. Amazing. Yeah. There and I think I think Twelfth Night was ahead of its time. Yeah. Well, that that and there we have it. And like I think there's you know obviously there's. Um, you know, there's there might be things where some communities may feel like her dressing up as a boy for this reason might be, you know, in insulting or insensitive. But I think, given what she's trying to accomplish, given what she's trying to do, I think any any community, be it you know, cross dressers, drag, trans people, you know, any across the board, I think it's it's a un- It's not it's not a comedy that plays for the you know the common denominator. 
like Amanda Bynes' physical comedy is, is impeccable as well. Like her oh. delivery is great, but her physical comedy is second to I none. I feel like well. that's her doing most of those falls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I believe I believe it every every second. I buy it. I buy the character. It's a genuine character. And again, I like that she overdoes it. She overplays the part. You know, she's like, yeah, I've got a big dick. She's you know? so funny. Oh she's, she's great. And it's like, yeah, what up, bro? Yeah, like deeps, deepens her voice and everything. But yeah, I think it's a really fun film. I think there's a lot, you know, of all ages can get out of it. And I think it's a good one for, you know, teaching it as well. It's 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 fun. It's light. It's not it's not too dirty or anything. It's I think it's just the right level to get teenagers and teenage students into Shakespeare. I think this is a good segue into getting them interested in it. And Shannon gets the line, having greatness thrust upon them. He gets to say it. So he dropped it in there. I loved it. Mm. And he does it really well. Channing's, again, one of those. He's he's really a good actor. And it's funny, too. They don't overplay on the, the easy thing to do, too, is like gay panic in this. There's a few moments yeah. of that. Yeah, Chan- Isn't Channing Tatum by and he's out like in real life? Isn't that so? I think, so. A, I think so. true. But regardless, it's mm. it's. They, they don't overdo it. A different film in a different director's hand with different actors. Yes. I think, and I think, you know, because Channing, you know, he has lots of, you know, in the 21 Jump Street movies, there's lots of things that could easily have turned into gay panic that don't sure. in that movie. And yeah, obviously he does the stripper movies. Um, so so he's not, he's comfortable with what he looks like and what he is. And so I appreciate that, that there's the gay panic is is this movie. In, in 1980, it would have been a gay panic movie. But yeah. the play isn't a gay panic play, and this but is not. A, I will, so I will I say, love it. I will say that in just one of the guys, you know, there is the reveal uh, yeah. uh, that she's a, that she's a woman, and not in fact uh, right. this this to the best friend who she's fallen for, right? And he goes, "I know it's okay. You can tell me it's all right. right. I know. I know you're gay." Right, that's um, what he thinks. I yeah. love that moment. Yeah, yeah, and and he and he sensitively does it. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. he doesn't he's go not like, mad. He still wants to tear his friend. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He just goes, "I know you're gay, but I'm 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 not into you." Basically, as sensitively as he possibly can, and then she bre- bears her breast to prove <laughs> that she's right. a woman. She's like, "It's like those aren't best. They're stuffed or whatever." Yeah. And that's why that film's a bit more kind of seedy and stuff. And right. and again, it's a great moment in its own right. But I think I think I was expecting again a bit more of she's the man. Because I'd seen that first, I think I, sure. that's why I was expect. And when I got in, it, I was like, "Oh, it's almost like it's it's more like a Porky's than a She's the Man, really. It's more of a because it had those, to be because of when yeah, it was filmed. Exactly, yeah, eighties sex comedy, you know. Um, but I think it is. I think just one of the guys is one of the better sex comedies to not have aged as poorly. And I think it is because of the Twelfth Night aspect to it. I think. Yeah. Um, so check them both out. Check them both out. I recommend both. Um, what is your next pick, Tom? Well, going in reverse order. So I've got two from 2001. So we'll stick with the uh, this. I'm, we're going into tragedy. I've, okay, I've got cool. two tragedies in a row here. Um, I'm going to go with the Tim Blake Nelson directed, which I didn't know until I went mm-hmm. back and rewatched it. I totally forgot. Um, 2001 um, starring Mackay Pfeiffer, Julia Stiles, Josh Harnett, and Martin Sheen. Oh, and... Don't forget a nice appearance by our everybody's favorite Foggy Nelson. Eldon yes. Henson shows up in this too. Um, actually, Rain Phoenix. The cast is great. Andrew Andrew Keegan. It's amazing. So it's oh, it's the retelling of Othello, set mm-hmm. in a Charleston, South Carolina high school. Um, Mackay Pfeiffer plays Odin. He is um, the only black character there. There's a there's 
I wonder, I wonder what they're adapting. Hmm. Huh, could it be hmm. Othello? Yes. Be. <laughs> so it is uh, Josh Hartnett plays Hugo, who is Iago, and uh, Julia Stiles in her second turn in a Shakespearean as Desdemona. Um, and I actually almost picked that other one, but I don't think that aged as well. I think this aged much better. It is so Othello. It is so on the nose that even later on, when there's the injury, when the... Um, when what's the real character's name? I can't think of it. He's called Michael in the in the show. When um, he gets the wound, it just hits him in the leg. I mean, they even do that exactly from the play. And now I can't think of the real character's names because I watched this more recently than read Othello. Anyway, doesn't yeah. matter. It's Tim Blake Nelson, the character actor, Tim Blake Nelson. He doesn't show up in this movie, which is amazing. As I didn't know he directed really, and then I looked I'm like, oh, he directed a ton of shit. He did. Uh, he did. He did do the voiceover for the for the basketball games. He did the the commentator. Oh, that because oh, okay. I, I and I really noticed it because I was like I was like this is a Tim Blake Nelson film I wonder if I'll hear his voice and then I heard it and that's where it was oh, and then, okay. and then later you see the commentator but it's Tim Blake Nelson's voice and it's really off putting yeah I guess I didn't click on that that's funny because I was on the bike while I was watching it um, John Hurd is in it uh, playing a dick like he's so great at that so it's just it's very well done it's it's very true so if you're talking about you want to teach Othello this is very true to the original source material while making it the commentary that it was this is the one where you want to do political commentary because the fellow like the other one is gender politics this is a uh, race politics mm-hmm. um there are a handful of black characters in shakespeare Othello is obviously the most famous one although one will come up again i assume pretty shortly uh, um, maybe maybe yeah yeah so um anyway it's very good and um i think the performances were great and honestly when i went into this i was like i'm going to totally pick 10 things of the two julia styles ones i'm going to pick 10 things and i did not i picked this because i think her performance is more earnest here i don't think that one aged as well i think whatever the director made her do for that like i think she looked underfed in 10 things where here she looks and again it's two years later when it's filmed and she's still playing a high schooler the only misstep in my opinion is this should have been a small college instead of high school because while a fellow is obviously a lot more racy um i just think some of the things would have been more believable if these were 19 20 year olds instead of 17 18 year olds and they do go out of their way to make sure we all know they're supposed to be 18 Mm. but whereas Channing, channing was 26 when he filmed She's the man. I mean, Mackay Pfeiffer was born looking 26. So it just, that's also part of the problem in Josh Hartnett too. So I just, but they're all great. Hartnett always gets the slack for being it. So we've got two movies in a row where they're like handsome guys who could have easily just fallen into handsome guy roles, but who challenged themselves. I mean, well, Mackay Pfeiffer, she's a good looking guy. Um, He always challenged himself. So it wasn't like he didn't ever try to go into, I'm just going to be a handsome guy movie. Um, So I just think the performances are great. It's true to the play and, and, setting it in Charleston, South Carolina. And and I think the, the greatest moment in the movie is when they're playing the regional semifinals against the other team. And they're a team of all African-American men, boys, I'm going to air quote, and he's the one black guy on this team. And so that it doesn't go into it. It just shows it doesn't tell. It's like, hey, may, maybe you should notice what this is like for him. And this really, Othello is, it's called Othello, but it should be called Iago, but you don't name the play after the villain. This is truly Othello's movie. You, you're with him on his horrible journey, whereas the whole time in the Othello play, it's you're constantly with Iago. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not on his side because he's the worst mm. villain of the Well, he, dri- he drives the plot, doesn't he? And he, he's the yeah. one who's making all the speeches. He's telling you what you're doing. Correct. Um, he and- speechifies yeah. a lot. Yeah, exactly. He's got all the soliloquies. Well, actually, did you ever see Kenneth Branagh's The Hello? 
Uh, you know, uh, with Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne? No, I've not seen There's that. a moment in the thing. I saw it in the theater, and he's speechifying. So he's even commenting on, boy, Iago fucking talks a lot. So he's speechifying. He's looking right at the camera, and somebody walks in front of him during his soliloquy, and he grabs him, and he throws him out of the way. <laughs> it's such a moment of levity, which Iago never gets, nor does he deserve. But right, so because this, you remove all of the soliloquies, so this gives the movie, the story back to Othello. Mm who is the tragic character as opposed to the Iago, who's the huge dick. I really liked it. This one. <laughs> that's, putting it, that's putting it lightly. <laughs> oh my God. He's such a monster. <laughs> he's the worst villain in all of Shakespeare too. So I think for Hartnett to be like, I want to play the worst of the worst. That was, that was pretty ballsy of him mm. too. So that was why I picked it because it's all of those things. I can't recommend it enough. Holds up as far as a 2001 teen drama, man, you could have filmed it yesterday. I think all the performances were great. I think it it shot well. Hmm. It's it's it, you know other than there's no you know smartphone. Yeah, even even the even the fashion and stuff hasn't aged that poorly because I guess because they're on like, a, you put them in uniforms. It's, yeah, exactly. It makes it timeless because they're yeah. in the military. Mm. So you give them that you know because they're they're at a private school so they're all dressed the same. Mm. So it's so good. God, it's so good. I I have to agree, Tony. I, I absolutely I got so into this. It was very intense and it it was riveting. Um, I I love the performances. I think the story's really well done. I think it has so many layers. I like seeing the the slow, subtle maneuvering and the and the 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 fall of 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 Odin um as a character and then the reveal at the end is quite shocking as well and how it all absolutely just goes to shit um you know it's such a great cast Martin Sheen's in it and and again he's not really in it much he doesn't do much but I'm not sure if this is in the play though the the um the pressure that that Iago feels because of the father I don't think that's in the play from what I no. remember um but I think that added a lot to his character like that pressure to be better to be the best because he's always like talking down to him or saying you got to be better you got to do this you got to do that you know he's taking steroids he's doing all this stuff just to impress him just to have one day where he's like you know what son great job you know he just that's all want he that. wants that's all he wants and it leads him down this fucking really dark path and and there's that line where he's like yeah i never have to worry about you do i son and it's like yes you do you do, you do. and that's what he wants to say and i think actually hartnett does the face acting in that moment where he's like dude pay attention i'm right here love yeah. me love me that's all that's he wants it. and and he just and obviously Obviously, when uh, again, and it's that thing where he goes, oh, "I treat him like he's my own son." It's, it's like he's my own son, and and he literally will because he knows that's the way to get to this championship and to win the basketball games and the final, what have you. And he's literally tripping over himself to make sure that Odin makes those games. And like Hugo's, like you know, just trying to fuck it all up all the way through. Um, I, yeah, I love it. Takes it like I, I think if you were if you're sensitive about like guns in schools and stuff it may may not be the best film for you if, if that stuff True. kind of lots quite, of trigger warnings in yeah by the yeah, way yeah. yeah there's a lot of you know there's you know there's you know rough sex going into pop you know kind of rape sort of there's a, it's very questionable that moment as well so there's yeah there's a few things it's very intense it's very full-on but I think it was. I thought it was excellent. So I'm really glad you uh, you recommended that to me, Tony, because I thought it was. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, it was one of those ones that was like in the back of my mind, and I don't think I'll watch it for another twenty. I probably saw it when it came out, and it was just like that. Some movies are so good. Like I, I don't know that I could ever watch Black Swan again, but I'm glad I saw it. Like with Othello, yeah. with O, if you've never seen O, buckle up. 
It's yeah. not a light watch, but boy, is it worth watching. It is an mm. excellent companion to the original mm. play. Just like the sisters is a heavy, is yeah. a heavy lift too, but um, it's worth it for you. And, um, and, and I think again, if you're going to introduce what, what this goes back to what you're saying, Lear and Othello are tragedies, mm. man. Fuck. And so these, no holding back. Like no, when, these when two Shakespeare, filmmakers, when Shakespeare writes a tragedy, you're going to get a fucking tragedy. Right. And, and there's no heroes and, and there's no heroes in this. And so even though, O is the hero you're on his mental, he's coming mm. undone and the pressure. And because it's set in modern, it's met, set in real time in South Carolina to be this, like the black savior, as it were, of the mm. white kid school. Um, boy, it's, I love it. It's really yeah. well done. So uh-huh. I love the play. Like this, mm. the movie's great. Uh, I didn't know Tim Tim Blake Nelson could direct, but fuck me, delivers. You know, Buster yeah. S- Buster Scruggs delivers. Uh, Crazy! What don't you hate it when you're like, fuck you, man? Save some talent for other people. <laughs> by the way, he's such a great actor too. Like in the Watchmen series. Yeah, dude. I, I liked him as uh, Samuel Stearns, the leader in the Incredible Hulk movie. I thought he was great yeah. in that. Really, he's charming. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they should bring him back. Uh, you know, they brought the the abomination back, so bring him back as well. He's great, excellent, excellent choice. So next Thank one, you. my next choice is again. This is technically a comedy, but I think we've discussed this that it's we not have. really a comedy. Um, it is Forbidden Planet, uh, which is based on loosely the Tempest. Um, so we ha- <laughs> this is really interesting. This film is so influential so heavily influential on all the sci-fi shit you love. Star Wars, and especially Star Trek as well. You can see a lot of the the beginnings of these things, the formation of this sci-fi classic into what it would become, what it would develop and grow into. Um, So we are with... Leslie Nielsen, of all people, playing playing the straight man. It's not a comedy. It's just a sci-fi, and it's not play for laughs. It does have some ludicrous and ridiculous and humor and stuff, but it's not. It is a it is a straightforward sci-fi tale in the most classic way. It is also one of the first films to have an electronic score ever, and that again is very I influential. Did not, I did not know that. Very influential on sci-fi films going forward as well. Like you, you can name every single sci-fi film that has an electronic score, influence 2001 and everything else, on and on and on and on and on. It had a domino effect, this film. So we have Leslie Nielsen, he is uh, the captain of this ship, and it becomes uh, they are going to Altair 4, Altair 4, uh, which is a planet that they sent a colony over to to develop and to to live, sustain life, study, do whatever. And uh, they're going years after to see if anyone has survived and see what's happened, just as, as an investigation. And they arrive and they find that there's only two survivors left. Uh, dun, and dun. dun, dun, dun. And it's Morbin time because it, there's a Dr. Morbius <laughs> uh, who plays the role of Prospero uh, yes. in, in this story. And he has a dark dark secret um that there is something out there dangerous that has killed all the other colonists apart from him and his daughter hmm i wonder why um but that i won't spoil it i won't spoil it but there is something out there and this is a lot of fun again we're talking about stuff that haven't aged well but some of the sexual politics not great i will say um great at all no not great but uh but there is certainly 
you have to kind of appreciate. I think it's one of these films you do have to see to appreciate what we what came after. I think it's one of those you have to go back and go, you know what, I'm going to watch this. You know, I think you'll get some enjoyment out of it. Um, also features the very popular Robbie the Robot, who ended up being in absolutely everything in the 1950s because he was just like, he was the baby Yoda of his day. Um, ended up, oh, my it, God. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And uh, you, most people will know him more popularly for from uh, Lost in Space. You know, right. danger, danger, Will Robinson, danger, danger, you know, all that sort of stuff. And he's got a wry sense of humor in this, which is great. Um, I it was like, Do you even breathe? And he's like, I do not. It promotes rust, you know. This is so funny. He's not like that in Lost in Space. <laughs> no, it's just this dry humor, it's brilliant. Everything, and he plays the role of Ariel, the fairy in the story. I- um, and we also have the monster from the Id. Well, well, does he, though? Let's talk about that. Is okay, he the role of go. Ariel, or is he Caliban? Well, I see the monster of the Id as Car- Caliban, because it is quite literally a monster. That's true. But, That's but fair. Yeah, but guess... he's Because he's more of a slave. Mm, true. But Ariel is... You know what I mean? Like, Ariel, I, I Ariel is... Ariel is they're both our slaves. Well. That's yeah, totally both true. Slaves. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're, it's fair. It's fair. Okay. And I think That's he, tra- he yeah. transports, he does things, he helps, he, you know, it's... He's much more useful. He's yeah. also a lot he's... quicker, like he's quite fast, obviously with That's his little true. boogie and stuff, so he can whip round. Um, so I see more of it as, as an fair. aerial. But, That's totally fair. But, uh, but I can see why. And then obviously you've got Miranda as uh, Altera, who's the daughter, and then you've got Ferdinand, who is the who is uh, Leslie Nielsen's J-, J. John Adams, the most American-sounding name. You could not get more of that, yeah. America. But um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate the film. I think it's gorgeous. The special effects are incredible. The sense of, of Unbelievable. death. Like, oh. it, they were Oscar-nominated, the effects, and I can see why. I can absolutely see it. I'd like to know who actually won the special effects that year, because... I, I I'm blown away by some of the stuff they did. You know, some of it doesn't. I think when the tiger comes on and Altera Altera is uh, is near the tiger, that that's the one that looks the most wobbly. I think out of the effects, but the monster from the Id is incredible. The footprints it leaves um, when they go into the the Krell. Uh, and their underground base. Again, I won't spoil it entirely, but uh, they go into this deep underground kind of chasm. And and how reminiscent is that that underground base to the Death Star? Oh my God, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, Star Wars got- and Star Trek. And you sent me the link of the how this inspired the both because they mm. do the beam, they beam yeah. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ray guns that they have that, are very that thing. That thing that um the thing that um the shield generator that Obi Wan Kenobi turns yep. off yep. is is there. You can see mm-hmm. it. It's basically the same. Um, but it's it's incredible, and they take it really seriously and what as well. And it's not it's not fantasy. It's all based in in science fiction. It's it's science. They are using science to solve their issues. They are explaining it through scientific means. It's not like oh well, he's an alien and he has powers. It's this is how this works. You know, the nuclear fission, radiation, cobalt, all this other stuff they're throwing around it is actual science to a, to a point. Obviously, it's still science fiction. Um, but there we go. And uh, and that is it's an incredible film. It's a it's a startling film to to think it was done in the 50s. It's in color and it's just the, the cinematography is amazing. The sets, you name it. I just love it again it is very loose a very loose adaptation but it's a lot of fun and i think it's great and it's definitely one people should see i had not seen it before this watch and so i was like i'm gonna watch that and i'm glad i did everything you said 
I'm not going to I'm not going to waste everybody's time having me just repeat what Spider-Dan just said, but I would say to you all, if you've not seen this, watch the fucking shit out of this. It's in CinemaScope. Again, the cinematography is beautiful. I do think well this is the question though because we were going back and forth so we'll sure. So is is the Tempest the first drama did, did Shakespeare also invent the dramedy? This is considered a comedy because there's a wedding at the end. Mm, happy ending, yeah. Right? Um but not really. Just because there's a wedding at the end doesn't mean it's a happy ending. It could be a shotgun wedding. And now Miranda and Ferdinand, it's not that. It's very love at first sighty. And But there's not a lot of jokes. I mean, Ariel's the funniest thing in it. Caliban is a... Like, I'm sorry, slavery isn't really mm. super funny to me. You've got, but, the, you've got the drunks. You've got the drunks as sure. well, obviously. No, they're, they're, quite, they're quite funny. I'd say they're there's the a drunk release. in this. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I mean, really. You say it's a loose adaptation. I say it's pretty yeah, fucking maybe. close. I, yeah. I mean, thinking about it, and 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 again, like the whole plot is driven by Prospero, and he wants revenge. Right. Obviously, with this, it's like, oh, they're coming anyway. But then the sabotage of the ship, so they do get shipwrecked, you know, yeah. and and they're bringing about, and it's him just kind of. Um, yeah, I mean it's I mean it's still it's still him to a point. Again, I won't spoil it, but um but yeah, I, I think I think maybe maybe you are right. There's a bit more you can if you really dig into it, I think there is a bit yeah, more. But, it's there. It's but, very much there. Yeah. yeah. I never when I when I, there was the first Shakespeare play I did was The Tempest, and I never saw it as a comedy. I just it's saw not it as funny. a funny. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just saw it as a, a Shakespeare play. And I I'm, I played Antonio as the villain of the Ooh, of the piece right. yeah yeah so it really cranked it up to a level so i was like yeah i got an i got an acting award for it in fact and i beat out three other years to get that acting award and i was like really and my my dad found out and he's like why didn't you tell me and i was like i was like because my stepfather at the time was there and he he mm. saw me get the award and stuff and i forgot to i didn't see him so uh so it was like oh yeah and got the award and stuff and it was like best actor and stuff um i've not won many awards since uh for my acting but um but that's not what it's about it's not about the accolades it's about the work and it's about and the, the work story. and you and i think it would have been fun i think playing a baddie is hard and i think it's mm. fun and i think there's a good i mean he's a good baddie but you yeah. could argue that prospero is the villain i always argue yeah. prospero is yeah, yeah. the villain of this of the piece mm. um um, because Miranda is also a slave. Like he's into slavery. Um, he's yeah. lied to her. Also, at the end, you know, she's 15 at the end. Now, the woman who plays her in the movie. No. Yeah. Not she 15. Is absolutely also, not 15. Stunning. Gorgeous. What a s- stunning woman. But there is definitely some bad, bad politics in this. But I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm disappointed mm. in myself for having not seen it sooner. I will not wait the rest my 49 more years until I watch this again. <laughs> I will watch it again. I I have now, I own a copy now. Fantastic! Right, great on you. I, I think that's uh, that's that's great. At least I've turned you onto it at the very okay. least. So hopefully, I'll turn other people onto it. But what's next, yeah. Tony? Well, we're gonna go same year, two thousand one. I got my two teen ones back to back. This just okay. happened to be because I'm going in reverse order. Um, they're both released in two thousand one. This one I just stumbled across. Um, as I was doing the research for this, again, I had a totally different thing in mind. I did this movie did not do well. This was a bomb. It is called Get Over It. It's from 2001. It's directed by somebody called Tommy O'Haver, whom I don't know. It stars top billing Kirsten Dunst in this film. Cool. Um, ben Foster, who's never been 19. I'm sorry. He and Emma Thompson were born 50. <laughs> There's just a fact. Okay. A couple of people were born 50 years old, and Ben Foster is one of them. So it's even though he's got all of his hair in this. That's that's the only, to me, weakness of the film. Melissa Sage Miller, I've never seen her in anything before, but she's great. Cisco, they're trying to make Cisco an actor. It didn't work, but he's having so much fun in this movie. Um, 
Shane West, Colin Higgs, Zoe Salanda, Mila Kunitz, Susie Kurtz, Ed Begley Jr., and Carmen Electra, Vitamin C, the singer, makes an appearance. And that's when I knew five minutes into this movie that I was going to love it. <laughs> and most importantly, as your role, as the king of the fairies, Martin Short. Yes, of course. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, my God. So this is a comedy. It's a retelling of Midsummer Night Dream. And um, so the opening scene, Ben Foster is playing Burke, and he's in love with Allison. You know, so these are all your characters from Midsummer's Night Dream. You know, it's a crazy thing. And I don't know, maybe we could argue Martin Short is the Puck character, but I think Cisco is supposed to be Puck. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I feel that Martin Short's supposed to be the Oberon character. If I remember rightly, Cisco is quite shy and like yeah, yeah, quite, that's quietly true. spoken. No, that is, so he I, falls in love with Mila Kunis later, which it. yeah, yeah. So it's it's a tough. It it doesn't really matter um, who the puck is because there is a character playing puck because this is one of the ones where they do the play within the play where they're putting on their own mm-hmm. version of Midsummer's Night Dream while they're doing Midsummer's Night Dream. So the opening of the movie, spoiler free as much as I can. I just stumbled across this on Hoopla Digital, the unofficial sponsor of Indie Comic Spotlight. I watched it. I loved it so much. I watched it again right away. I loved it. I cannot tell everybody how much fun this was. So Ben, Ben Foster's character, Burke, he gets broken up with by Allison. And then as he's walking home in slow motion, vitamin C comes out and sings Captain Tennille's love will keep us together behind him as he's walking and all, and like the FedEx guy and the, and the UPS lady, they have a dance and there's a marching band and everybody's happy except for him as he's walking home with his breakup box. And it's like, Oh, this movie knows what it is. And then it is that the rest of the time. I love a movie that knows what it is. And so Martin Short is the director of the play. And he want, he's written a musical version of Midsummer's Night Dream. And so they have to do the play within the play. And Burke's character has to try out. And then there's a giant dick played by Shane West, who's great with a fake accent the whole time. He, it is a delight. It is a delight. Um, Colin Hanks place uh felix woods who's the older brother to kirsten dunce kelly woods and so then all the craziness so there is a character who just is puck in the play who may be the puck because everything kind of goes goes sideways from there um i mean to me i've never acted but that would be the dream role puck i know you were oberon no offense mm. and oberon's awesome by the way but i mean like puck's the role puck's the most fun puck's having more fun than well anybody. i mean arguably i think it's Puck and bottom, you want to play in Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, I bottom. Think, oh. Yeah, you got to. It's got to be one of those two. Um, my friend recently, Nathan, who's a guest on, been a guest on the podcast. He yeah. just did a. He's doing a currently doing a touring Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, uh, and he's bottom in that, and he's fantastic. And he he was bottom in our version of Midsummer Night's Dream as well. Nice. And he Colin looked Hanks that. plays the bottom. Yeah, because he ends up with Carmen Electra at the end. Of course, yeah. Of yeah, course. yeah. So, um, you know, I just think it's just hysterical. I had no idea it was even a thing. What a cast, like right at the edge of their careers. Kirsten Dunst, definitely the lead. She sings. She's got a decent set of pipes in this. But Martin Short, there he's pretending he's 35 in this, like the character is. I love when Martin Short is off the leash. And then um, Swoozie Kurtz and Ed Begley Jr. as Burke's parents are really funny. They have their own like sex positive TV show. In, and then, then at the end, they do another dance number where Cisco sings, um, Cisco and Vitamin C sing at the end. Um, I just thought if, if in a different time, Kylie Minogue would have played the Vitamin C role, like, right, it's the same kind of vibe. But I just, mm. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna watch it. It's it's called Get Over It. And it's a, my favorite comedy is actually Much Ado. But I think, and while Twelfth Night, everything you said, I think what I love about Midsummer's Night Dream is it knows what it is. It's silly. 
And, you know, when it was thrown into the Sandman verse, that just made it made it move a little bit closer to my heart, you know, mm-hmm. there too. Cause, but, um, so I just think if, if the, my favorite would be, is always, is always much ado, but I think my favorite to watch, like to be, if I were to be in, excuse mm-hmm. me, would be to be this one. And this just captures the zaniness and it's, and it's a teen comedy. It's totally PG 13. Apparently there was a rated R version of this, that the director fought against that the producers wanted and they went back and forth. And that's why Carmen Electra is in it because there was a lot more, um, to see we'll say mm-hmm. during the carmen electra i'm a klutz scenes mm-hmm. um but it was just a fun now did you have you you had seen this before i i have yeah so uh so yeah i i remember watching it i think we watched it when we were doing the the play back in or oh, must have been 2013 2020 no 2011 probably 2011 um but yeah so uh we were i think we watched it i don't remember being that keen on it um I, you I, even told me that you were like yeah. that. and i was like i'm gonna watch it anyway and then i yeah. really fell in love with it yeah yeah fair enough I, I again there's a lot of films that i like to go back to because i'm when i'm not really sure i'm like did i like that did i not like that i'm not sure or i i always think films deserve like a second watch most films you know not things like requiem for a dream or something like that you can see that one, one and that's done fine. Yeah, yeah that's fine i'm never I gonna agree. It's not one I want to return to that world at yeah. any point soon. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think it is one that I need to revisit. I do remember, like, you know, I, I do remember the cast being really good. I, I remember, you know, I, I was quite, I was a big Spider-Man fan. So I was like, oh, yeah, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah, she's she's really attractive. So I, I do remember that sort of thing. Um, again, I think as a teenager, I was probably put off by the fact that it's probably based on a Shakespeare play at that mm. time because I was sure. trying to be cool, trying to be cool and not acting and not doing that sort of stuff. So uh, I want to get girls. Girls don't like Shakespeare plays. Um, but uh, this yes, they do. They, they fucking well do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it was, I, I remember watching it um, again. We, I think we watched me and Nathan watched it, and yeah, I was I was like, it's it's fine. It's not it's not it's not awful. It's not great. I think I think we may have watched something like Ten Things About You, uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, and I think I might have gone, well, that's the one. That's the one. I think I think at the time I didn't even know this one existed. So I think this got sucked up in between the Ten Things and O were out. Mm. This was just another one of those, and it just and I think. I mean, I loved it. Obviously, two of those three made my list. And I thought for sure 10 Things is going to be... I don't think 10 Things age well. I think what happened is in 10 Things, you got Larry Miller stealing the show. He's the David Cross role, right? Mm. Um, you've got um, Julia Stiles, who was the it girl at the time. And Heath Ledger, you handsome devil. You look at him and you're like, of course he's Joker. Look at that smile. Like, at, you know, every performance is great, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's an excellent cast, but I don't think it holds up. But in the moment, Mm. I think it's one of those ones. So I do. I would like for you to, and again, everybody go, it's on Hoopla Digital, get over it. It's called, I, I totally get what you're saying, Dan, because mm. on paper, this isn't very good, but I think, and honestly, Kirsten Dunst would have kept me away from it. She was cast as Claudia and I, no matter who got that role was going to piss me off. And so I just, I held that against her. But then when I went back and recently rewatched Interview with Vampire, I'm like, holy shit, of course she got that role. She's amazing. She should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. Right. I, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. But in uh, the moment, no one could be Claudia to me because mm-hmm. I love that book so much. So I held it against her, mm-hmm. which was I was just a dumb kid. I mean, that hold it, movie. hold it against the casting director. <laughs> like, if anything. Yeah, no, no, I know. I was dumb. <laughs> I was just being dumb. But but then I've reevaluated her. Mm-hmm. She's very good. 
She's incredible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I remember um, somebody on one of the Discord chats, I think it was on the VHS Strike Backs Discord chats, they were like, why didn't you pick uh, Interview with a Vampire? And I was like, mm. I was like, I love it. It's so good. However, once Tom Cruise leaves the film, I, I lose all interest. Like, Brad all... Pitt didn't want to be there, and you can tell. Yeah. I, I, I like like Tom Cruise, it's very rare that I see Tom Cruise absolutely like chewing the scenery and enjoying it and reveling in it. You know, it's very rare. It's like Tropic Thunder. Like when he goes for it, I love it. But instead of playing these safe, you know, hero roles yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Magnolia's greatest performance. Yeah. And I love Antonio Banderas and I love all the stuff. And I love the idea that, you know, Claudia gets destroyed by the sunlight and everything. And that guy gets he cuts that guy in half with a scythe, which is yeah. amazing. But after that, don't give a fuck. I just don't right. care. I just don't care once Tom Cruise is gone. I was like, that's my biggest problem with that film is the second half. It's it's the same with um, Full Metal Jacket. Once we're out of the training, I kind of don't give a fuck. Um, I've never seen it. Yeah, I, I can I can get why you wouldn't you wouldn't want to see it. Um, the second half is is good, but it 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 pales in comparison with the first half and like yeah. all all the Ali Ermi and Vincent D'Onofrio stuff just. It's, that's what people remember. People don't remember the second half of the film. Oh, well, and Vincent D'Afrio. He's exactly. Yeah, Fucking yeah. great. One yeah. of his best, most iconic roles as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, um, I, you know what? I'll go back and I'll watch both and I'll report back to you which Please. one I prefer because I'd like Thanks. to re reevaluate both. Yeah, and again, I just thought with that movie, because you know I'm on record of telling you how much I love Sharknado because it knows what it is. And this movie, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. And then I'm like, oh, this movie knows what it is. It's uh, And then there's the dance number at the end, too. Do you remember? Oh, it's so good. So I would say, everybody go watch it. Cisco gets to sing. Mila Kunis, young Zoe Slada. But Cass Banks. Everybody yeah, goes on to greater things. And Kirsten Dunst is top billing for a reason. Hmm. And again, just get past the fact that Ben Foster is technically... I looked. He was 22 when they made this film. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst was 19 when they made this film. But Ben Foster looks like Ben Foster. He looks, can't help it. Yeah, he he does look quite old. He's like what old... he looks like in Hell or High Water. That's yeah. what he always looks like to me. And, and that movie is special. I love his performance in that film. But teen sex comedy, Ben mm. Foster, you don't see those. But yeah, it's I excellent. I I wouldn't if I was a young lady at the time, and I'm I'm like, oh, who's the hot new thing? Uh, or or you know, or or a gentleman yeah. who, who likes gentlemen. You know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go for Ben Foster. Correct. Like, just the way he looks, you just think, nah, not quite. He's the, a grumpy old man. Yeah, give yeah. him twenty years and we'll see. Maybe yeah, I'm in sure. the grumpy old man. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I think he's aged into his looks. Definitely, he I has. He he's great. I Absolutely. didn't even know he was a teen actor. That's why I was like, just yeah. get past it. Colin Hanks is great. It's fun. Yeah, definitely. And, and you were saying again, the going back to Shakespeare, you were saying that the play within a play, where did yeah. that originate? I exactly. Hamlet, yeah. he, you know, the play is the thing to kill the king, yeah. catch the king, whatever that line is. Um, yeah. he did that. Like the it all comes back round. It all, no matter what, however wacky or weird or out there your film is, there's gonna be some part of storytelling that goes all the way back to that weird man with that weird collar on, you know, and the, and the weird beard, the weirdy beardy. Um, you know, he is, he's the man. Um, the man. you know, he, if he did or did not write those plays, he did. Who cares? Uh, at this point, it's, it's the work. It is the work that is there. And that's what we've got to remember. And that's what we still enjoy to this day. Okay. Yep. Right. So, yeah, that was great. Uh, I'll move on to mine. So mine will, mine's a, an interesting one. Again, High school. We do see a lot of these kind of 
ones that are in high school. But I, again, I do think it works a lot of the time. Again, there's a lot of the politics, the social politics. You know, you can you can play with the racial politics, the gender politics. There's a lot of stuff you can do, and also it it, it gets kids interested or young people interested in Shakespeare. I think when they realise things are like that. So we are going to talk about one of. It's not really a cult film anymore, but I think at the time it was. It's Mean Girls. But you ask, what play Shakespeare is Mean Girls based on? Uh, Well, it's based in history as well. It is Julius Caesar. Um, And there's a lot of references within within the thing that is quite clearly, it's like, Here's what we're doing. Uh, obviously, uh, Gretchen, quite, quite, uh, quite funnily, in this in the class, they are doing Julius Caesar. She talks about Julius Caesar and then actively compares her to Regina George, who is the meanest of the girls of those mean girls, um, and of them all, of yeah. them all, of them all. And I, I love this film. I think it's great. I think it. it I think everybody loves it. Anybody, I, I think if I, I'd be untrustworthy if someone said I don't like Mean Girls. You know what I mean? I think I think there's something for everybody. Yeah, some things haven't aged well. Fair enough. We've we we're you know we notice this and we we call those things out. Um, but the I, fat shaming, for example, fat, yeah, fat shaming. <laughs> like that doesn't we, hold up. There's well. a there's a there's a long list of stuff. Yeah, baby um, polars, horny mom. <laughs> yeah, and the dog biting a hard nipples all that sort of stuff yeah yeah the cool mom i'm the cool mom uh you know all that sort of stuff and the body shaming and the insults and the you know again like people you know stuff like this is it's funny to kind of look back on because i'm hoping high school isn't as bad as it is as it used to be for like people you know for my for my age your age your generation my generation um i'm hoping that we're a bit more kind of accepting of people and cultures a bit more sensitive as well um because obviously there's so much stuff going on and you know there's you know anyway um but mean girls takes that idea and runs with it so it takes the idea of the the social climbers the one-upmanship the backstabbing you know it's all there and there's even another like line the front where, stabbing yeah <laughs> it's a lot of front stabbing yeah. So so much front stabbing. Um, and like I think Gretchen says again another line where uh, or somebody no, that's it, Janice says it. Uh, and Janice goes, Regina George is a dictator. He's a literal dictator, like she describes as such. I think she's holding a, a Roman sword when she says it as well. I believe right? so. Yeah. I, be- I believe that's uh, that's another thing as well. And she obviously plays the role uh, and and she uh, she basically creates the the drama, creates gets Brutus or Katie to to uh, to basically get involved with Caesar, get in there, work the magic, use that use that's her um, you know, it, it, Brutus in the in the play has this social standing and that's that's his currency, his social currency. In the social currency mean girls, it's Katie's looks. Because right. even Regina goes, oh, you're pretty. Uh, yeah, okay, thanks. Oh, you agree you're pretty then. You know, all that sort of stuff. So there is that. And and again, it's almost like the undercover cop who gets too into the role and and is like, whose side are you really on? So uh, again, there's and then again, that's owed, that's owed to Shakespeare. Again, 100%. All goes back. I like the gender flipping of it too. Mm. You know, I mean, wasn't this based on the book Queen Bee. Yes. Yeah. So was, there's it, they lean a little harder in the book than they do. But I, I, if you called it Queen Bees, it wasn't going to work. Like yeah. Tina knew she had to rename it. Mean Girls. Yeah. And but but the fact that they 
they put that influence. It's like your uh, sister's Chekhov. You know, yeah, it's a it's a play. Exactly. It's based on that and based on this. So exactly. So, and but it works in in so many ways. It adds so many more layers to it. And and again, you you paint it with this comedy high school comedy brush. But it's still quite horrifying the things that are done and things that are said, um, you know. And even here's another one as well. So when Regina gets hit by the bus, spoilers, she gets hit. By Sorry, bus. everybody. Spoilers. If you've not seen Mean Girls, or if you didn't know that Caesar died, also by the way. <laughs> also, yes, Caesar spoilers. Falls. Spoilers. <laughs> something. I, something in March. I'm not sure exactly. Yes. What, uh, what that was about. Yeah. 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 The, <laughs> the Ides of March. Eh? Uh, but. Uh, but there you go, and and when she comes back, she she is she survives. She doesn't die because that would be maybe a bit too mean. I don't know. Maybe she dies in the book. Possibly, I'm not sure. I've not read the book. I no. should read it. Next, yeah. you'll have to tell me. I have to tell I me. I will. Yeah, yeah. But she comes back with this kind of neck brace, head brace, and the brace doesn't look unlike a laurel wreath. It looks very much like one. Mm, there you go. And then the the destroying of the uh, the the tiara and the sharing of that. Very yes. again, the people. Let me your ears. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. You know, um, let slip the dogs of war. They do really slip. Let slip. There's a lot of lot of slipping going on. Yeah, um, and uh, I love it. Some of the, the it's such a quotable film as well. And I'm going to talk a bit again about another very quotable film later on. Um, sure, but. Yeah, again, absolutely is a is a classic. Like um again, I can't find many people that would disagree. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting one to bring to this discussion because I yeah. don't I don't think a lot of people see that that parallel between the play and between uh between obviously the film as well. Um and Tina Fre- Tina Fey is obviously an amazing writer. I love Kimmy Schmidt, I love 30 Rock, you name it. She's fantastic, and I think the role she plays in this is is really it's a really honest, unique, interesting role. Um, and it, apparently, it had a lot of significance for her because she's taught in schools and and saw this type of thing going on. She's admitted she was a mean girl too. Oh, that was it. Yeah, so I think she it. wanted to put herself into the into place a little bit, mm, like yeah. be chopped down just a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I I love it, and I think it really works. And I think again, if you're teaching it, this is how you get people interested. Oh, 100. And I just read Quirk books uh, last year. I read, Quirk did much ado about Mean Girls. Mm, he was saying, yeah. So Quirk does those lists. Like they've redone all of the Shakespeare, all of the Star Wars mm. uh, movies as Shakespeare. It's amazing. And that guy James was telling us. Remember mm. James Eccleston? Yeah. That guy's doing one hit a story for him. Oh yeah. So. But the, but the uh, everything you say is true. This is a classic. Um, this is another one of those. You had Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan, and Lindsay has made her. She's come out the other end. She lives over there. Yeah. She she's acting on the She was always again very good. I think Amanda has better comedy timing than Lindsay, but I think Lindsay's sure. probably a better all around actor. And she mm. pulls in this movie shows shows that because she's got to be not just goofy. She's got to yeah. be conniving, and you got to see her. Katie transforms. I mean, that's the whole part of Caesar is that the 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 lure of the kingdom, the lure of the queendom, being the queen bee, the lure of being the Heather, which is also mm-hmm. another, you know, maybe I should have just, we could have done two for, yeah. for this because this, Heather's is clearly the influence to this. But the lure of that, of being the one in charge is what allows you to want, to want. And once you have the power, you change. And so Katie goes through some shit, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think you see, you know, what does Brutus go through? And then of course, mm. you know, you could 
I don't. I never saw Mean Girls too. Is it Anthony and Cleopatra? I don't know. I can't imagine I it is. Don't know. <laughs> they made, really they made don't. another movie. Uh, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm all right. I think I'm good. I think we'll I'm pass good. on that. I know <laughs> Tim Meadows shows back up in it. Well, he, I mean, he, we should get. He will we work. Get, we should get Jack to watch it because he will watch Mean Girls too. If he watches Mean Girls, he has to watch Mean Girls. I know. I know. I feel bad for him. <laughs> I don't want him to have to watch that. Don't watch it, Jack. Don't watch Mean Girls too. Don't. Do I'm sorry. I brought Do it, it up. It. Do it. Bring it. No, bring it up. I want a review. I want a review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but um, you know, I agree with everything you say. I think this. Mm-hmm. You're again. If you're going to teach it, because this is that. This is all about like clever, and this is like what adaptation is about, right? You you take something and you turn it on its head, and you you distill it down to what it is, and it's it's all about greed, and it's all about power. And again, you can't. Caesar is t- totally applicable today. We talked about. We talked about Macbeth. You can talk about your Richards, man, your Caesars, they're out there. Power hungry assholes. It still works. Like all these yeah. these stories are, you know, they're timeless. You know, they never, never truly age. There's always something to get out of them. These stories are, you know, repeating in real life again and again and again. That whole thing. Uh an- another thing as well is is Janice obviously plays the Cassius role, um, mm-hmm. the kind of manipulator and the the focal point of bringing Caesar down. And then again compares compares KD or Brutus to to Caesar. Like you're becoming just as bad as Caesar. Right. You are the worst why uh and we get and then obviously janice and the roman god janus mm. is the god of being two-faced nice look at you look at that look at that see that's amazing Ooh. i love that oh teaching i'm teaching now i'm i'm, I'm now taking, you are i'm taking you to school i'm taking take you to me school. to school that's right <laughs> right what's next for you so this is your uh, num- your your no, second to last yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll stick with the histories. This is my only history on the list. Cool. Um, 1991, I saw this in the theater. And um, I don't know how. because <laughs> I, I live close enough to Ann Arbor. That's probably why. Um, now, I am on record of saying Keanu Reeves is fine. Uh, he knows who he is. But the star of this film, uh, River Phoenix, gone too soon. Say what everybody loves his brother, and I'm saying his brother's a fine actor, but River Phoenix and Rain. I have two Phoenixes because Rain was in, um, is in Get Over It. Yes. Or is in Oh, I mean, she's yeah. in Oh, Rain, Rain Phoenix is in Oh. So I've got River Phoenix in this one, My Own Private Idaho, written and directed by Gus Van Zant, based on Henry the Fourth, part one and two, and part five. Um, it's the story of a narcoleptic. A uh, young uh, prostitute named um, Mike. He's the Poins character um, from the Henry plays, and then Scott Favor. What a name! Um, is is Keanu Reeves, and he plays Prince Hal, and then uh, William Reichardt plays the Falstaff character, Bob Pigeon. And um, boy, I don't even know what to say about this film. I saw it. I didn't know what I was into. I just went and saw it because it was a River Phoenix movie, and it was Gus Van Sant. And I love drugstore cowboy. I don't know how you feel about Drugstore Cowboy, but I've, st- I I've still that. not seen it. When I was a teenager, I went to buy it, and then I I just never did for whatever reason. Mm. I think I chose something else. I think I chose something like Johnny Handsome with Mickey Rourke. Uh, I, I think I've I don't think I've like seen that. that. Okay, well, I love me some Drugstore Cowboy. I mean, Matt Dillon and Kelly Lynch, and it's very good. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna see whatever this guy's up to. And it was this. So I went because of River Phoenix and and Gus Van Sant, and I got this thing. And then I'm like, wait, those are that's Shakespeare. And so here he is. He's doing these lines. Um, 
from Henry V, they drop right in. So Scott Favor is the Prince Hal character, and he's and and Bob is the Falstaff character, and Mike is the Points character, which is really fascinating because in the plays, Points disappears. He's not in Henry V, and that actually Falstaff isn't technically in Henry V. Everybody thinks he's there. His funeral is in there, right? But you never see Falstaff. But in most of the movie adaptations, we see, including this one, Hal is at Hal's Henry the Fourth dies and so henry v is at the funeral at the same time so it's very well done in the play that's not a thing and then points is mentioned in passing in mary wives of windsor which happens between um henry the fourth and and henry v right mary wives of windsor is happening in between there when Falstaff before mm-hmm. he dies so anyway points you're like who the fuck is he he's the guy he's hal's right hand man he's his robin he's his you know he's just his guy he's he's there to help him and and the reading of this is that Poins is in love with Hal. And so it's such a fascinating read. Then you go back and you reread the Henry the Fourth, and you're like, well, because when you read it, you're like, why does he go along with all this stuff? He goes along with Poins, he drags him, he makes fun of Falstaff, he does these things like Poins loves Falstaff, but then Hal's like, no, no, let's make fun of Falstaff and let's do this thing and let's trick him in the, the robbery scene and all that other stuff. The robbery scene in this is spectacular. It is my favorite scene in the film and it is heartbreaking. It is devastating to the to the Bob character, and you see Mike, the narcoleptic prostitute, go through some shit there. So um, it, I just can't tell you enough that River Phoenix' performance is stunning. It, you see this, and you're like, "This guy's a fucking star." He carries this movie across the finish line. Um, so it's my final two picks are kind of alternate versions of the story where okay. the real play happens. So this is that one. And I just thought it was an interesting take to be like, to, Gus Van Zandt asks us to say, why does points point? You forget about him, but he's asking us, why does he do like with your Caesar? The, the, the reason our main four characters do what they do is on full display, right? We understand how the four girls work and their dynamics. Mm. If you get it, jealousy and pettiness, and same thing with Heather's. But in but in Henry the Fourth, you you don't get so for Gus Van Zandt to go, what's up with that guy? And Gus Van Zandt is a gay man who you know has gone through some shit in his life. He's like, well, what have I done for love? And retelling Henry the Fourth, which is my favorite of the histories, by the way, I like Julius Caesar a lot, but those three together are their best in my fourth part, one part two, and Henry the Fifth. I read those more often than anything, probably even more than Macbeth, which is weird because I think they're so juicy. There's a lot going on, but but to go back and review that through the lens of Oh, it's a love story because there's a line in this film where Scott says to to Mike House, he's like, "I can get paid to have sex with men, but I don't love them. I only love when it's only and and Mike is so deflated in that moment. River Phoenix's face, and then there's like a weird incesty thing that happens in here with his brother, and so there's all kinds of stuff. But again, he's leaning in. There's 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 in, there's air quotes incest in Shakespeare too. You know, like brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously lots of cousin kissing and stuff too. So um, it's just fabulous. I can't get over. It is not for the faint of heart. No. It is um, a flea shows up, a young Dick Diesel, as you mentioned, Uh, Brian Wilson as essentially himself in here. The performances are great. Uh, Udo Kier is the creepiest of creeps. (laughs) I almost sent you a message going, of course, Udo Kier is in this. <laughs> it was like he just showed up and they're like, you just go be, call yourself Hans instead of Udo, go. Mm. He's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I can't get, I, rewatching it holds up fabulous film. Fabulous, fabulous retelling of my favorite history. Um, 
and I can't. And you watched it, so I tell did. me what did yeah. you think? Uh, I I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I do think it. I I think maybe your last two choices are. Uh, are ones I'd actually prefer to be in. I think you were talking earlier about sure, sure. being in them and performing them and and have it because they look like they're having a ball in your last two choices. They look all the actors look like they're having the best fucking time of their lives. Yeah. But sometimes I don't think that always translates. Um I think I I really enjoy this. I think it's a good um LGBTQ film, uh, LGBTQ plus film. I think there's a lot in here. It's it is a bit dark, it is a de- de- bit depressing. Um it's probably the one that's out of all of the ones we've picked. I think it's the one that is probably the most Shakespearean in the dialogue. Like the dialogue yeah. it, it, it it I mean I I'll be honest, I've not read the fourth. I've read the Henry V. I've not read the fourth parts one or two. But I it's definitely the one that feels like the way they deliver it and the way they're expressing themselves. It is a bit out there. It is a bit theatrical. Um, and the dialogue is a bit like, oh yeah, and it, it kind of has that rhythm. So I did I did feel that. Um I, I think it is it's really fascinating kind of indie film. I like I think with indie films, I'm very kind of on the fence. I think sometimes I'm like, I love this, and other times I'm like, yeah, I'm not for me. And I think initially i was like i don't know about this one but i think by the end i was i was totally sucked in and i was like it like, it's, again it's again slow yeah it's, it's a it's, slow hour 47 but sure. you are, right you're there you're there yeah. with him because there's a narcoleptic in it mm. so he you have to watch him fall asleep a lot mm. and it's yeah. brilliant it's a brilliant device gus van zandt is such a mm. great writer because how do you get from place to place it doesn't matter because mike's asleep and yeah. he's our point of view character yeah. so there's one time you see Two times, I guess, when you actually see Scott carry him, hmm. but most of the time he just wakes up wherever he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was really, really fascinating, really unique kind of story, a really unique set of characters, and uh, I, uh, I, I think with all these films as well, there's all these little, little cherry kind of, uh, you know, these little Easter eggs you'll see, like, like the fault they're drinking the beer and the beer is called Falstaff and things Which like is that. Which real beer. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah, there yeah. you go, and it works. Um, but yeah, I, th- I I really enjoyed it. I don't I don't think it's totally my bag. I'll be honest, sure. but uh, but I did enjoy it, and I I appreciated the River Phoenix was amazing in it. I think. I mean, I, you watch it for that performance alone. When yeah. he died, one of my friends, I was just talking. So my best friend from high school, Rebecca, she lives out in California or out in Colorado, and she was out there when River Phoenix died. I was in at on my undergrad, and she was living out at her undergrad out in Colorado. And she wrote me a whole long letter lamenting the death of River Phoenix. And she wow. wrote right in there. She's like, "What have we lost? Like, he's our voice. He's us. He's our generation. He's the Gen X person." And she even said, "I don't mean this, but why couldn't it have been one of those new kids?" She wrote that right in there, like your kids on the block. I was like, well, but you know, she was also a heartbroken 21 year old. Like, Oh my God. Um, He's that good. Mm. I mean, say what you want about Joaquin. He's great, but I'll tell you what river Phoenix. There's not a movie that he's in that he's bad. Mm. Even if he's in a bad movie. I even thought, I even thought Keanu Reeves was pretty good as well. He is like, really good in this. I actually he is thought very good in this. Yeah, I actually thought he was really good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I I quite like Keanu. I I don't think he's the greatest actor in the world, but I do appreciate some of the films and some of his roles. And and I thought this was one of his best. Genuinely, yeah. one of his best. Um, and it's quite an interesting 
again, it's very, it's a very odd film. It's very, you know, it's, it's very art house. I'd say if you, oh yeah, like be prepared. It is a very much an art house film. Again, like you said, it, there's a there's a dreamlike logic to it as well with the searching of the mother and and everything. But it's it is fucking hard going, and it's not in a not in like oh it's a slog, but it's hard going as in the subject matter is quite disturbing um and i do i do quite i did quite enjoy every time he he goes to like one of the um one of the johns let's call them yeah um and they're all just they're not even really having sex they're just like mm, clean for me yeah watch me he dance. Makes him, yeah yeah watch me dance they're <laughs> it's like all okay so creeps yeah okay it's great though but and again, flea. again yeah fleas fleas always good for in, in my book um, but yeah, and again, it's you know, it's one of those rare occasions where we see some gay, like LGBTQ plus content, and it's it's very rare in a mainstream film even today that we see that sort of thing. So it's really good. It was really interesting, and it is kind of a, a disturbing kind of story in that. But but yeah, genuinely great performances. You might not like the film itself. I think you've got to appreciate the performances and what they are are delivering performance wise emotionally and everything. I think it's, it's a really, really strong film. So yeah. Because excellent. Prince Hal goes on this journey, right? And I know where, so Prince Hal has to grow up and it's all a choice. And that's Prince Hal is one of those mm. characters to me that Shakespeare, you know, we all make a choice. When are we going to stay a kid? And when are we going to become an adult? And Hal has a real specific plan in mind. Mm-hmm. And and so this, this is, a, if you're going to teach the Henrys, because those are three plays, you can get the gist of it here. Because Henry V is amazing. It's the one that people yeah. know the best. But you don't get the full backstory. Like, no. in that's part of why Falstaff isn't in that. So, you know, Falstaff's funeral doesn't mean as much in Henry V without fourth yeah. part one and two but it's just great it's such a it's again character driven stuff so i could talk all day yeah. sorry so it's turn. a very it's a very character driven film but that's yeah that's what you're there for like forget the forget the plot forget the meandering storylines whatever you know the, the main plot is basically he wants to find his mom you know he mm-hmm. wants to he's never met his mom or can't remember his mom he wants to meet his mom that's all you need to know and just watch it for the for the the genuinely jaw-dropping performances in it. I think it was such an incredible and beautiful film as well. It's the cinematography yeah. is fucking incredible. So uh just check that out. Just brilliant, beautiful. Find Hoopla Digital. There you go. Hoopla Digital. If you've got that, I don't think that's available in the in the UK, but uh I can uh, I can tell you how to get one ooh, for free. So you can send me a message and I can so, help you hook you up. So yeah, yeah. If anybody's interested, Tony will message me. I'll message Tony. We'll sort it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. Um, right. So uh, I'll go on with my second to last one. Uh, our, my second to last one is probably the loosest of the adaptations, I think. Uh, and it is Return of the Living Dead 3. Uh, so the Return of the Living Dead franchise is kind of uh, it's one of the writers from The Night of the Living Dead you know, broke up with kind of his creative partner, George A. Romero. They had some creative differences. He went on, wrote a book, uh, which is technically a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Then they made a film, Dan O'Bannon made a film, a punk rock uh, zombie film, new rules, new aesthetic, lots of comedy, camp and cheese. Uh, they made a second one, not as good, apparently. I've, I don't think I've seen that one. But Brian Usner of Reanimator, Bride of the Reanimator, um, you know, society, which we've covered on this podcast as well. Lots of great body horror stuff. 
he said, right, I, I was a bit disappointed that the, of the lack of um, the bride in Bride of the Reanimator. So I want to do a Bride of Frankenstein film. But then one of the writers came in and they were like, what do you want to do with the Return of the Living Dead? And they went, I want to do Romeo and Juliet. So that the uh, the Capulets and the Montagues are now the living and the dead. So uh, we meet Julie and I think it's Kurt, um, who are these kind of punk, heavy metal, goth kind of. It's, it's not really stated what kind of they're, they're into, but it's like there's a lot of leather and spikes and stuff going on. Kurt has stolen his dad's card, uh, access card to this military uh, installation. And they are experimenting with the trioxin gas and uh, the what created the Return of the Living Dead in the first movie. Um, they go and they see somebody brought back to life. And they're like, what the fuck? Oh, this is weird. I don't, don't know what's going on. They leave because they're trying to, the military are trying to use the, the dead and they're trying to bring them back to life and use them for military applications. Later, these kids are really horny. Of course, it's, it's Romeo and Juliet. So they are super fucking horny. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. I they there is a lot of and it's that it's just it's, a, it's just fault like as well. <laughs> it is. It's like let's just get a chance too to show some boobs. That as well. There is that. That was what well. it was. It is yeah, a horror yeah. movie after all. I know you I know you're a fan of Warm Bodies, which is a lot I am. More, uh, a lot more of a tamer version of a Romeo and Juliet zombie film. Um and I love this. that I love that as well. But this is uh this is a bit more my bag. I think this is a bit more definitely in my kind of vein of stuff. Uh and this is balls to the wall kind of extreme love story and the 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 lengths you will go to keep a love alive quite literally um and what happens is right after she grabs his knob while uh while he's driving while he's driving his motorcycle they have a horrible uh accident she gets flung into a telephone pole and breaks her neck dies instantly dead and he is heartbroken he's disturbed he's like oh my god i, I was so in love with her six months it's like that again they're right in the honeymoon period of their relationship and she's dead and what he does, he makes the decision to go back to the lab and use the trioxin on her and bring her back. And unfortunately, there's a side effect. She needs to eat brains. Brains. What? Who would have seen that coming? Uh, right. Am I right? Uh, and slowly but surely, they have to deal with the ramifications of this choice that has been made by Kurt to bring Julie back from the dead. And she uh, hates this. She doesn't know what this hunger is initially. She's like, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And, um, you know, they get in trouble with these gangsters, these kind of um, and this kind of mob or whatever you want to call them, a gang or whatever. Yeah. Troublemakers. Let's call them troublemakers. And that leads to the death of this guy, and she starts eating his brains. And she's like, "This is it. This is what. This is what I need. I need to eat these brains." And she realizes as well. So again, if if you're uh, trigger warning as well, because if you are someone who has a history with maybe self harm, maybe this is this film probably isn't no because not, I did not see that coming. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a big one. It's a big one. So Julie starts hurting herself because it um, it offsets the feelings of hunger it distracts her body and brain from this need to devour human flesh because she doesn't want to eat a boyfriend she's still very much who she was she still has her consciousness and personality she just needs brains like you but, do 
So we get to the point where it kind of introduces, again, it's it's very alternative. This is a very alternative love story. And he introduces the kind of self-harm and the almost body modification, if you will, as well, the body mods uh, that goes into that. And she becomes like this, she's, she's put glass in her face. Uh, she put like metal wires, all sorts, you know, sticking out of her. And she really becomes a kind of bride of Frankenstein. She's got uh, piercings in her nipples and everything. Just guys. Crazy, mental, what the fuck. But I absolutely adored it. And I think this is probably one of the best, you know, three calls that's ever been made because it's got, it does something really different with the franchise. It it adds this Shakespearean element. And again, it is a tragic love story. And, sure. and again, I won't give away the ending, but let's just say, I mean, let's just say it's, it's tragic. It's a tragic it end. Is. Within all this, this mental zombie creature feature film, the main two performances really sell that they're in love and you believe that you yeah. believe it all the way through, you know, and they're the, they're your kind of, um, they're your touchstone in this film with all this wacky, you know, spines coming out, heads popping off, all this other shit going on. You're, you're there for the love story. You believe it and you want them, you want them to be happy. You want them to, you know, get figure this out sort something out you know um and i i really really dug this it's a lot of fun it's you know 90 minutes it's an absolute blast all the way through doesn't lose your attention and i think it again is very much in the vein in probably more so than a lot of these adaptations of romeo and juliet because romeo and juliet is bloody it's really a tragedy everyone's like oh romeo and juliet story and like no it's a fucking tragedy it everybody dies really yeah. badly and it's only then do they they stop warring and stuff uh the two families um you watched it as well what did you think i was really impressed i mean you mentioned that the the lead actors they're the actor like they spent all the money getting them there they went to acting school and everybody else is like do you want to be in our movie even the guy who plays the priest the riverman yeah. character he was given it as all but he was uh, underserving the rest of the the rest of the script um I, it was more fun than it i i deserve to have watching a, a, this now to be fair now i watched the cup the return of the living dead when it first mm. i remember that okay and i remember you know uh, um and the kind of jokiness of it uh as opposed to like the the Romero stuff, which is mm. not a joke. Um, so although what I did find fascinating and then I started to think about is that there he's still poking at him because you've got Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Dead. And then in this is the third one. And so Dawn of the Dead is the third one. Um, no, Day of the Dead is the third one. Yeah, and that yeah, is the right. one where they're 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 experimenting on the zombies and they do that in here. So they're just still commenting on whatever Romero yeah. is doing. So I thought that was nice in addition to the Romeo and Juliet stuff. I agree. And I think the reason this works as a Romeo and Juliet thing, because I'm with you, people keep thinking like, oh, it's a real Romeo and Juliet thing. Well, that's terrible. Mm. You don't you don't want that. Don't you mean don't you mean pick somebody else? Pick, <laughs> yeah. Pick a pick a oh it's real Beatrice and Benedict thing oh where they hate each other that's what every romantic comedy is mm. Beatrice and Benedict that is the romantic comedy they end up together at the end Romeo and Juliet die everybody um and their children literally I mean talk about children I mean she's twelve and yeah. so let's let's calm down let's calm down just a little and um so I think they really acknowledge the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet in this and um, it was way more fun than than I deserve to have watching a third <laughs> zombie movie. Um, right. And I'd not seen this one before. I'd seen the other. I'd seen one and two. And I guess I didn't realize the series continued. So mm. um, series, we'll say air quotes, <laughs> much like the No Retreat, No Surrender series. 
in name only. So uh, they're zombies. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Thanks for introducing it to me. I think everybody should watch it. Uh, yeah, well, I introduced my, I'd never seen it before either. So I, I was like, I'll give this a go. It sounds interesting. I knew it was kind of based on Romeo and Juliet. So I was like, fuck it, why not? And I love it. I would definitely go back. This is definitely one I'll revisit because yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. So that's cool. So each of us discovered one brand new in this process. Absolutely. Get over it for me. And then, and I didn't know about this one either. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been a ride. We're down to our final two picks. That's right. You go for it. Go on. Okay, this is, I, I went reverse order for just because, but really it works out well because this is probably my favorite on the list. Um, it's a comedy. It is timey-wimey. It is some of the finest acting by fine actors. Um, it was a play first. It was a play about a play within a play, and there's a player in it, and it is Tom Stoppard's masterpiece, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, with... Um, Gary Oldman, Tim Roth, and Richard Dreyfuss, and some other people. They are really irrelevant. And they're fine. Everybody else yeah, is fine. Um, this is just like the other one, just like Points in my last one. It's it's the retelling of that through a different perspective. This is Hamlet retold through the perspective of Rosencrantz Guildenstern. It is one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, it it lays into the play within a play thing when the player shows up and he's and there's that whole scene where he's going through all the things they do. We do this and this and this. Cut, cut, cut. I've never seen this live, so I don't know how they do that. I don't know how you do that on the stage. Um, I've only seen the film. It is great. I know actually they were originally cast in each other's roles, which is brilliant because that plays with they don't know who Rosencrantz, Guildenstern are. They get so I think that's brilliant. The questions tennis section is oh. so well done. Yeah. I would love to see that live. It's one of my favorite things. I've written this play, this movie into other stories of mine because it it is so important to me. Um I think it's just brilliant. James Ackalone said the same thing when he saw this for the first time. He was like, I didn't know you could do that. And so it's a love letter to Hamlet. Tom Stoppard loves Hamlet. He actually wrote Shakespeare in Love. It's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Can't I can't tell you enough because it's written in regular English, but then they just slip into Hamlet and then they just come right back. And they're like, oh, right, we showed up. So it's in real time. It starts on their journey. By the way, I don't know if everybody knows how it ends. It's in the title. So spoiler. <laughs> um Fair enough. It's so good. I don't know when you saw it first. I saw it. It came out in ninety. I probably saw yeah. it in ninety one. Yeah. So uh, I would have been far too young. Um, so you didn't see it then. <laughs> no, I did not. Right. <laughs> I think I would have been four. So uh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Don't worry. I'm I'm just making you feel very old. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> so I graduated uh, from high school in ninety one. So, so yeah. I uh, so I watched it the other day for the first time. Oh, and I'll be honest, I didn't find it all that funny that's okay I'll, I'll be honest like uh again it was like i was saying earlier i think it's one i would enjoy being in i think you are right the question section is the highlight for me the tennis oh, game so good. i yeah, just yeah. think i just think that's genius i think that's so that's so well rehearsed and it has to be um that you would just get that just to have that spontaneity that fun uh you know i love that i love that game i will say there was a i i thought I thought I expected it to cut into the play a bit more often, mm. which it doesn't really do. And I do think there's a lot of stuff where it's just like, oh, they're just going to walk down a corridor for a bit and yeah. and do stuff. They're just like <laughs> making noises. Like, caw, caw, caw. So, so I don't think this 
particular one is is my bag. I sure, def- totally I def- fair. I definitely got more out of uh, my own, my private Idaho, um, but this one I was like, I fa- I found it quite difficult to kind of get through. It wasn't it wasn't as funny as I expected it to be. I don't know. I love Gary Oldman. I love Tim Roth. I love all the other actors, but there was just something about it that just. I just didn't quite grasp, but I recommend people to see it just to see if it if it grabs them. Uh, but it didn't necessarily grab me. I've heard about it. I've known about it for a long time. I've never sat down and watched it. I think maybe if I was uh, like if I was an avid Hamlet fan, I imagine I would like it. But I was expecting more of the the cross cutting and oh here's Hamlet and here's that. I thought it was going to be more of them like. Or making comments like you know, asides while being in a scene or something like that. But actually, there was just a lot of them just wandering about, not really. Yeah, I, I doing thought that was. See, I think that's what's funny. So what right. I find funny about it is they're pointless. Yeah. They are literally plot devices, mm. and so and they are literally waiting around for the next. Right, scene. they have nothing else to yeah. do. So to me, they're in the play. They're this is the third play within the right. play. They're in the play. Yeah. There are Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and mm. they're waiting to die. Mm. That's all. They they exist for one thing. They're called upon by the king. I mean, Hamlet's real best friend is in the whole play. Yeah, they're not Hamlet's friends. Horatio <laughs> is the friend. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, these are the fake friends. They're the college friends. They're mm. not really going to be. They're not his people. Um, so I just think I think what makes it it's the sometimes. A long pause. I just rewatched the kids in the hall um, redo the new series of the kids in the hall. And there's a couple of series and I forgot how well they use dead air to be funny. And it's hard to do this. So for me, the fact that they're lost and they don't know what they're doing mm. and the coin flippy thing that continues on because yeah. they're not real. And so the whole time you're questioning, they're questioning their own reality. Mm. And, um, so to it, me, it, just, it is a yeah. There's a little bit of uh, waiting for Godot in there, isn't there? One hundred percent. Yeah. So I just that. think, yeah, it's not. You're right. It's not a. It's not a knee slappy funny. But I think as I get older, I don't necessarily think that every like you said, you laughed okay. out loud yeah. with "She's the Man." I yeah. did too. I don't necessarily think that that we're re- we're watching for the first time Gilmore Girls right now. Sure. That show is fucking hysterical. But it's mostly just in Amy Sherman's mm. Palladino's brilliant dialogue writing mm. and the way that those actors um, perform it is what's funny. And it's not necessarily that the lines are funny. So to me, it's just the looks on their face. You've got mm. these two actors owning themselves. Richard Dreyfuss essentially just playing himself. I just, I just, I, I get everything that you're saying. Mm. I understand. I, to me, it, that's why it's funny mm. though. But I, I did, there are parts I enjoy. I enjoyed the idea that they were like, oh, watch this. Oh yeah, that's uh, you know he has the feather and the stone, yeah. and he's like he's like you would think that both this one would be heavier, and you'd be right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that they're, they're like because they are. It's it's almost a little bit Deadpool as well because it's like yeah breaking, yeah breaking the fourth wall. They know they're in a play within a play within a play. Yeah, and I, and I get I get what you mean though. With them, like it's quite funny that they're just waiting around for their next line almost. Yeah. Which is what the actors would do in real life as well. They're if just you like, think Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, they're so pivotal to the story of Hamlet, but they're so pointless that nobody knows who they are. And so they're just in the background. So it's mm. like this is a noises off situation. Yeah. You know, I just I don't know. I, I yeah. hear what you're saying. I'm not I get it. It's not for everybody. It is one hundred percent my bag. I like the like how droll it is. I like Tom Stoppard. Yeah. Um uh so and like but his then his again, then again like Pinter, the, I like too. Yeah. Then again, Forbidden Planet is definitely not for everyone. Like it's, sure. it's one that sure. certain people will get a lot of joy out of, and some people might find it a bit boring, a bit dull, a bit a bit stuffy, a bit staid. You know, 
it is that but but yeah no there is definitely some real positives to it i think i think you know gary oldman and tim roth are, are really good in it obviously they're the leads and there's some great moments where again i did chuckle and, and like oh yeah i like i like the kind of you know an anarchic ludicrousness and the um you know the absurdist comedy of it i i quite enjoyed um but yeah on the whole it wasn't my favorite but i do recommend people see it make up their own minds because i think there is 100 still something to be gleamed from it and something to enjoy to take out of it as well. I, and I, I do love the spookier, weirder elements, like with the, with, you know, when like Gary Oldman's having a bath and Dreyfus is like just floating around and changing costumes. And like, and again, it's that play within a play. So they're, they're like, oh, well, we know you're going to die. And this is, yeah. you know, and this, and this is us acting out that story. And that's why they're getting so confused. They're watching it and like, oh, this, that's quite similar to, to this and, that. Us. and yeah yeah and, and and almost what's going on with the king and the queen and everything and it's like and it's like all oh, right yeah maybe yeah man, i can see similarities there and when they're trying to figure out hamlet's you know madness and they're like you know you're rich you're handsome you've got a lovely woman you know why you've got why have you gone a bit mad and it's like no idea <laughs> you know i've got everything i don't know why i've gone mad i've no no idea <laughs> and it's like let's figure it out and like the idea of like them like i'm hamlet like in like you're hamlet or, or am i Guildenstone? are you rosencrantz <laughs> like the, the the yeah there's there's definitely some fun to be had but i, I just didn't it didn't win me over it didn't bowl oh, me over sure? as much as much as yourself anyway a film that did bowl me over and again this is uh for me this is an old uh an oldie but a goodie and again this is not really one of the obscure ones i'm pulling out here no 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 everybody knows this one so al pacino once said shakespeare's plays are bloodier than scarface and he'd be right he would be and i am going to pick scarface as a version of Macbeth. Agreed. So, so we have a uh, a young man flying up the ranks in the drug dealing uh, gangster world. Um, he is from uh, he's from Cuba, Tony Montana, and again, uh, the only thing that this is really missing is kind of a Lady Macbeth, because like Elvira's not that really. No, she's quite passive, really. Um, uh, I think they kind of get a little bit of Lady Macbeth more in Tony Montana's sister. I think that's because mm. she's got a bit more fire to her. Um, and and obviously he wants to have he wants to have sex with her a little bit, bit incesty. So again, yep. going back to Shakespeare, a bit of incest. Uh, yes. So we've got that. Um, if you've seen Scarface, you know Scarface. You've heard of Scarface. I'm not going to go into the plot very much, but it is basically that rise to power. We've got Manny, who is his banquo. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Who spoilers again? Spoilers again for a, a film most people probably have seen. He kills Manny, much like Banquo. Uh, Macbeth kills Banquo. We've got our Macduff in the drug dealer Sosa, who uh, who initially is friends with him but betrays him. Um, if anything, Scarface is probably a bit nicer than Macbeth because he doesn't oh, yeah, kill. Yeah. He doesn't kill women and kids. Macbeth fucking does. Macbeth <laughs> kills everybody. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's like, and again, we have at the end. We have the Macbeth character professing his invincibility, much like Scarface at the end, taking yeah. all those bullets and like, come on, kill me. Or say hello to my little friend. Right. Kill all you cockroaches. You know, all that. And it's just, it's there. Frank Lopez, uh, who's uh, played by uh, Robert, Robert Lozier. Lozier. Robert Lozier. He's, he's, uh, he's Duncan. He's the king. 
Sure. Yeah. One hundred. He takes him, and he takes his whole life. And again, we see that rise. We see that rise to power. But we also see the madness it brings, the stress, the problems. It's literally Macbeth on cocaine. On cocaine, with piles and piles of cocaine. Piles and piles of cocaine. That's literally what it is. Again, apart from the... Again, we don't really have a Macbeth. We don't really have the witches. But what we do have is the slogan that the world is yours. So that's his that's his premonition, that's his vision, that's his future. The world is yours. And that becomes his slogan. Um and and I'm currently reading, as you know, uh being a being a uh I'm sharing a little bit of the patronage with you. Um I've been doing Scarface comics. I've got another one coming up, a prequel. I know. To, Pretty exciting. Scarface coming up. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um and I'm really enjoying kind of revisiting that character and that world as well. I didn't play the video game, which is called the world is yours um oh. but I, and, and which was a sequel to the film as well um but yeah i i really enjoyed it i think there's a lot of parallels and i think that's what attracted pacino i think de palma basically sold it to pacino going this is a modern macbeth this is miami 80s excess at its craziest here we are coked up c- coked up macbeth a coke beth if you will coke uh, <laughs> And again, we he starts in these very humble beginnings. He's a political prisoner from Cuba that comes over, and he and you, we just see that rise and that determination, that desire, that fire within him. And he goes, "But what if? But what if? But what if?" And these opportunities that he takes and rises and rises and rises. And and I think it's a it's one of uh, De Palma's best films. Probably one of the best Pacino films as well, because Pacino did even did a documentary about finding Richard the Third. He is a he Shakespearean. Did. He loves Shakespeare. Yeah, Honest his Richard. Sir. Yeah, that's the thing. I've seen that. I you know I've seen that thing, but I still think you know the uh, Ian McKellen's Richard the Third because I've not seen yeah. Al Pacino's yeah, Richard yeah. the Third, but I've seen the looking for richard yeah yeah yeah. it's it's i i don't think you can i don't i'm not sure if you can view it can you see his play that i don't think so yeah yeah i think it's just the documentary of him yeah yeah but um but he loves shakespeare and i think that's what he saw in this he clearly must have seen those parallels because he went yeah this is for me i'm gonna do this so yeah Yeah. so scarface is my number one uh your number one was obviously rosecrans and gildenstone was dead do you have any honorable mentions? Um, no, I, I just want to say one thing about, um, sure. about yeah, Scarface. Sorry, no. Though, is that, sorry, no, 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 it, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. All. No, no, it's fine. No, it, I, here's my thing about Scarface. Everything you said, true. Pfeiffer, Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio. Here's the thing. In America, Scarface has become a, a dorm room poster guy. Yeah. So every douche has, as, as, as like, he's the villain, you guys. And it always drives me crazy. Um, so it, it took... It took some of the shine out of it. I've not, mm. I didn't rewatch this. Um, I didn't, and I went back and forth on, am I going to rewatch it? And I was like, well, I really have kind of run out of time, anything yeah. anyway, so it's okay. But it's one of those movies where the culture around it sucked yeah. it out a little bit for me, only because of like the people misreading it. It's a yeah. misreading of what it is. So you have brought me back around to realize it is that fucking good. But in the moment, it's like in my yeah. life, in my high school, in my college life, in my adult life, all these dumb people who worship Tony Montana, mm. you guys are idiots. Is all well, I'm saying. Well, this is this. I'm not going to repeat myself because I've I've said all this in our yeah. in, a, in our Goodfellas podcast with Andy. Right, right. So okay. we've 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 yeah, said yeah, all you this. Did. You know, yeah, you have. And, um, I I don't know if you've listened to it yet. Obviously, I sent it to you early. Yeah, yeah. But but um, but yeah, 
people miss the fucking point. It is a tragedy. You know, he's not something, someone to admire. He is not someone to be. Rappers kind of admire him and all these other people, you know, and they use the parlance like the yayo and all this other stuff. Um, Like I knew, I'm intelligent enough as a kid, as a teenager to know I I shouldn't idolize this fucking guy. People don't idolize Macbeth, so people shouldn't idolize Scarface. 100%. Thank you for saying that. It's the fucking same thing. I agree. And and I have a similar problem with the joke with the Joker film, which I didn't see for probably all those reasons. Yeah, yeah. because of the culture around that and the people, yeah. you know, the incel movement, all this other shit. Like that's why I struggle with that film. I think it's an excellent performance. I don't think the I think the story is, you know, it's here and there, but it's the performance you're there for, and it is a very good performance. But again, it's the the culture around that character and the design. I'll be honest, they've cancelled Batgirl and they're making a Joker sequel. I think a Joker sequel was never even needed. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. don't think it's required. I'll watch it, sure. I'll see what it's like. Will it be good? Lady Gaga's in it. It's a musical. Whatever. I'll see it. But I do not... I think we needed Batgirl and we didn't need Joker 2. That's my... That's that's the tagline of this show. We're talking about Shakespeare, but we (laughs) need... I love that. Um, Managed to to, to get in. But I love that. So my my honorable mentions, you mentioned one, is obviously uh, just one of the guys. I love that movie. I I can't... It was important to me as a kid. There you go. Not for the lechy reasons, but... No, no, um, no. And some of my favorite Shakespeare adaptations are the ones where it's in the title, right? So, but um, like you said, every... I didn't notice, I didn't put Romeo and Juliet on there because there's so many. Obviously, Valley Girl is on there. Um, uh, Pretty in Pink. Um, You know, anytime you have, and again, those get happier endings, obviously, but the remake of West Side Story, the new West Side Story, I thought was spectacular. Um, So the list of Romeo and Juliet goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, I do think, obviously, Lion King, we can't get away without saying Lion King is Hamlet is excellent. But I do think um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is almost perfect. And uh, I do think there's a lot of straight, like with the name, and then obviously all the Kurosawa ones you sent me, do Yes, yeah. So master. So watch the Kurosawa ones without and, a doubt. And also go back and listen to me and Andy's Clone Balls on absolutely Throne of Blood, which is yeah. based on Macbeth, and Ron, which is based on King Lear. So two, good. Two of the best films I've covered on the podcast easily. Obviously, it's, yeah. it's Kurosawa, so it goes without saying really, right. but but. Um, you know, we we love both of those adaptations. Obviously, we have to pick a winner. I will not spoil it. Which one we yeah. chose as winner should go. Yeah, but it's uh, it's the only other Shakespeare thing I've done so far on the podcast. So so yeah, absolutely go and check out Ron. I will also mention uh, the Bad Sleep Well, uh, which is you another, mentioned this. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. another Kurosawa film. It's his take on Hamlet. It's a modern day one. It's not a samurai one, uh, and it's about a post-war Japan and a seedy business and doing very seedy things. Uh, very, very horrible, horrible things. And again, um, the ending is a bit, it, it, there's a lot of kind of businessy talk at the start and the ending's a bit like, oh, oh okay, right. I guess it's over now. Um, but the, the 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 center of it is quite interesting and they do some really, really unique things and the cinematography is quite good. So I do recommend still seeing it, but again, didn't quite make my list. I do prefer Ron and Throne of Blood if you're looking for a Kurosawa Shakespeare film. Um, but you mentioned Valley Girl as well. I'm going to bring up... Um, uh, oh, did you have any more? Sorry, did you have any more? No, no. I mean, I could go on and on. Ethan Hawke's Hamlet is very good. I mean, there's so many. Uh, you mentioned Valley Girl. Uh, I would like to mention Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, which, was, which was James Gunn's first script, um, and it stars Sh- uh, Sean Gunn. He was in it. It's his first role. He's on uh, uh, Gilmore Girls. And again, it's a very extreme, very. It's very tongue in cheek. It's a trauma film, so 
go in there looking to be offended because you will be offended. Whoever you are, whatever walk of life you've you come from, you will be offended if you watch a trauma film. Trust 100%. me. Uh, yeah. Especially if you watch something like uh, Poultry Geist. Uh, that's Oof. a very offensive film, but I still quite enjoy it. Um, but yeah, if you're a Muslim or a lesbian, especially quite an offensive film. Uh, uh, Valley Girl, here's one. Here's an interesting one. Ex Machina as The Tempest. The Tempest, one hundred percent. Yeah, sure. very again, very. You know, you've got the creator, the daughter, yeah. the guy yeah. wants to take the daughter Ferdinand. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bill Weasley. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is one. I, I again, I'm I'm not very familiar with the characters or uh, what they are because we they never really crossed over to the UK. Strange Brew loved Strange Brew. That's re- Hamlet. Yeah, it's Hamlet. Yeah, absolutely. It's called Elsinore Beer as well. And, you know, it's all that. It's there. It's all that. There's a ghost. Bob and Doug McKenzie, take off, eh? Yeah, take off, eh? <laughs> I love that. I just love that. Oh, dear. Brilliant. Like, brilliant kind of Canadian stereotype stuff. I love so it. good. They're both Canadian, of course. Yeah, Rick of course. And Dave. They, yeah, can yeah. Ma- they can make fun of that. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun with that, but didn't quite make the list. Um, King of Texas, which is a- Which I couldn't find. Oh, yeah. man. It's really good. It's uh, uh, I'll see if maybe if I can buy it and I'll send it to you, or uh, we'll do something. Um, yeah, and uh, it's I pa- could probably find a copy to buy. I just couldn't find it. Quickly. Yeah, no, no so worries, no worries. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's a uh, it's a western. It was a TV show. Um, again, it's got uh, it's got Manny in from. Uh, uh, it's got a great fucking cast. Um, Patrick Stewart as an like a Western oil baron type person. It's fantastic. Really, really good. Uh, go and check it out. I know we're running out of time, uh, so I'll go a bit more quickly. Last one is a, an Othello take, and it's based in the UK jazz scene. Um, and it stars um, your the prisoner. It stars the... Uh, the uh oh god what's his name patrick mcgowan patrick, patrick mcgowan. mcgowan yeah he, he plays the the iago role and it's fantastic you I'll, sent me the link i haven't watched it yet. yeah it's uh yeah. It, 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 i'll i'll spoil it a little bit it does have a happy ending ish oh so it, it and it's a bit tamer but i think the performances are there and and the manipulation is there and patrick mcgowan's fucking great in it um so i really recommend all night long it's called all night long it's from like 1962 or something something like that nice Anyway, uh, listener comments very quickly. We've only got three. So uh, Andy, Angry Andy Reviews, uh, and Angry Andy Reviews on Twitter says, uh, oh, goody, which is a, a gif of Scar from Lion King. Uh, yes. Mike also says, uh, Mike from Genuine Chit Chat um, also says, I was checking to see if someone had mentioned Lion King, of course. And then uh, Blake Biles on his Instagram account has said, I must give Romeo Must Die a rewatch. Haven't seen it in 20 years, but loved it at the time. Loved it. Yeah. There we go. Lee and Aaliyah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was on, I was on, I mean, any chance to rewatch a Jet Li film, I'm going to watch. I love it. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. He's great in it. Yeah. Oh, such a talent, such a talent. But yes, Tony, we are, we're finally finishing. I'll let, I'll let you go. But before you go, just tell people what you're up to, what's going on, what have you got coming up? Who are you? Who am I? Um, I am. Uh, yeah, no, I, I am the man who is going to stab you right in the front. No, um, I, uh, I, yes, I have a website, arfarina.com. You can send me a message there. If you're like, I want to hear about Hoopla Digital, there's a contact me. You can oh, there send we me go. A message there. Yeah, yeah. And I've got some stuff. I've got some short stories you can read. And I'm on Comics in Motion Network, as you cool. lovingly mentioned. And I've got Indie Comics Spotlight on there. And I'm part of the Pop Gorillas. Yes. And Jack and I do season's greetings. And I've shown up on um, Jack's amazing Back, back, back to, to the, the filmography. filmography. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to come on 
on again soon for that. And so I'm just a busy guy over there at the Comics in Motion Empire uh, run by Chris and Dave. And um, I am clearly on my way up. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm, I feel like maybe I'm the Cassius of the group. Maybe I'm going to find a way to take them, take them down. No, that's not true. Um, I love those guys. So anyway, so that's Brian. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you've been, you've been a regular over there. Yeah. And, well, um, I'm, I'm about to this Friday, I am about to start co-hosting, yeah. co-hosting with, uh, with Tonya Todd, one of my favorite people. Um, so, uh, I'll bring the Hulk and she'll bring the she, uh, to she Hulk attorney at law. So we're going nice. to have some fun. I'm not sure who the guests are. I don't think we've decided or um or sh- I'll, I'll let her run it she's uh she's she's a very organized lady i'm i am not an organized oh, i'm doing that i'm gonna um, be on her oh band is that books. it yeah jack and i are gonna yes. do uh 1984 oh amazing band books i yeah, can't yeah. wait i can't wait for that i'm not much of a reader but i'm really looking forward to that because i i you know i'm I, i'm i'm against censorship for the most part i think we should have age ratings and 100 percent. yeah but, but i'm against censorship really let the art be the art that it's supposed to be um 100%. there we go there we go and there's a lot to talk about i'm sure on those podcasts um but thank you this has been amazing i've really enjoyed getting back into my theatrical roots uh so yes i i've i've liked enjoying talking about treading the boards again so uh and i won't talk about it now for another year until dennis makes fun at me for mentioning it again uh so <laughs> all right uh so again you can find me at facebook so it's at secret balls on facebook twitter it's at down underscore balls instagram it's at spider dan secret balls review like share comment subscribe etc and uh, don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you interact with us and if you want to join the Britallion and to be brief in full on the secret boars swing over to spider dan and the secret at prattle world so that's b-o-r-e-s.com and i'd like to thank my patrons on patreon i'm jack's musing simon cotton paul meller max Byrne, scott hodgson mike burton angry andy reviews and tonya todd uh, so thank you for your continuing donations it's very much appreciated and helps prattle world keep on turning and if you ever find yourself in a position to help the podcast please consider it thank you again tony this has been a dream of uh, a midsummer's night dream which it li- quite literally is quite literally is for it's me, for night. me. It is. For for you, it yes, is. it's midsummer's <laughs> dinner time or tea time as you may say yes indeed this was so fun i hope everybody loved it uh read more shakespeare absolutely listen Get to the audiobooks mm. let's do it let's do it go see some plays go see some theater yeah. do it do it it's meant indeed. to be seen it's meant to be performed and then go and go away and read it. I'd say go see it first. Go see whatever 100%. play you're reading, yeah. and then come away and read it as well. Uh, and there's a there's you know there's cliff notes if there's anything you don't understand. So go and go and read that if there's anything you don't get, or just message somebody, message Tony, message me, and we'll we'll tell you what we think certain things mean. Um, but it's not it's not a universal thing. It's just our own interpretation, That's as right. as is most of these films of the Shakespeare stories. So Indeed. we will leave it on that. Thank you again, Tony. You are a fabulous guest, and uh, I will enjoy talking to you again very soon, I imagine. 100%. Thank you for having me on, man. Goodbye, My everybody. Pleasure. Bye.